Hello? What's up? What's up? Hey, Carl, what's up? All right, welcome to our new show, Bombhole Group Chat, that we will be doing the first Wednesday of every month, and it's presented by Pub Beer and Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Now, so you guys understand, this show is a hub for discussion of current snowboarding topics. We're going to talk video projects, viral clips. We're going to talk contests. We'll be talking to everyone from writers to product designers to industry people and addressing the current state of our snowboard industry and snowboarding as a whole. We're simply just having a loose format conversation about all things snowboarding. And one thing to note is most of the topics are submitted by you guys, our Patreon members and via Instagram. So uh, today in studio, we got a cast of characters. We got Jeremy Jones, pro snowboard in the booth. Jones, how we doing? Doing really good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Happy you're in here. We got uh, Reed Smith, another pro snowboarder in the booth. Reed, what's happening? How we doing? Uh, just to correct you, Global Am. Oh, you're Global uh, Am. Yep, yep. Okay. Global Spencer, Am. Uh, Spencer was correcting me in, in New York City when yeah. we were picking up tickets at Big Snow one day. So Global Am. Mm. Sorry. Pardon my uh, mistake there. And then we got uh, Jules Spadero, who is the general manager of the bomb hole, the glue, glue to the operation. Jules, happy to have you in studio. What's happening? I'm so happy to be here. And then, of course, we got Silk D, the producer back there. How we doing, Silk? It's a beautiful day, Chris. It is. And we should probably start off by talking about the T-shirt that Silk's wearing. For the listeners, it's a bunch of photos of his girlfriend with some hearts that yep. says, I love my girlfriend. That's true. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that. I have, no, no. No, I don't. <laughs> Let's hit her with an air horn real yeah, quick. Yeah. Let her know. Maybe super air horn? Oh, can, wow. Can super that air horn. Yeah, that's like a good a photo of the shirt. Proper request. That's like sending a bouquet of flowers right there is what that is. Yep. I'd keep you silky. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> well, killer, let's just get right into it. Um, you know, the first person we're going to talk to is we're going to get into a call with Chad Otterstrom and catch up with him. Chad Otterstrom, Chopper Digital, welcome to the show. How we doing? I'm great. How are you doing? We're doing good. What are you, uh, summoning a teener right <laughs> now, or what are you getting into? Um, I, I picked a teener. My buddy BC and I hiked Pyramid Peak yesterday but now i'm getting an oil change so i'm sitting on the side of highway trying to stay away from many audio perfect good well it sounds yeah. crisp over there in colorado uh yeah we, we wanted to maybe get in and start off by talking about uh midlife crisis the full meltdown another classic congratulations on winning uh mount hood edit of the summer uh unofficially from us thank you that's a bomb board maybe we'll do another one next summer yeah, mm-hmm. we'll I mean, send you a sticker pack. Yeah, well, we get, you got a sticker <laughs> pack. You got a sticker Maybe pack a in the beanie? mail. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it was a exciting uh, movie to make. We uh, it started last summer. I went to Hood. Um, sorry, there's some audio in my way. And I had been going to Woodward for the last few years, and you know we kind of tapped out on that because the ten foot jump. You know, actually, twenty-five foot jump. It's a little over ten years of hitting it. So Blaze was running adult camps, so being a coach, and I was like, I'm going to come hang out for a week. And it ended up being weeks. And I noticed the summer before Blaze had posted all of his tricks quickly on his Instagram story, and I'm like, Hey, man, let's make a real edit and film full horizontal, like 
normal people do <laughs> and uh or what normal people used to do i guess and it last summer became a hit and we're like let's done this winter so this last winter we made rock bottom and then this spring we made spring chickens and then the full meltdown was a tribute to a Mac Doug movie called The Meltdown Project that came out in you know, 95 or something like that. Um, and we almost had Mar and Daniel showing up, and then Todd Schlosser was on his way down but didn't show as well. So we almost had a few members of the cast in the movie. But yeah, we released it on Slush last, like a couple weeks ago, and even a month ago now. And um, yeah, it was... Uh, Entertaining, uh, to say the least, to make those, and it was a good time. It's more stressful in the winter when, like, you're kind of blazes in Tahoe. I'm in Colorado, and we can't really get together. But, yeah, good times. It all kind of came about as running the Adampo, and Midlife Crisis was a bunch of adults at summer camp to rediscover their life in snowboarding, and everybody there is kind of having a midlife crisis in a good way, I guess, you know, um, my buddy Jeff Meyer said it last winter that uh, midlife crisis is all about, um, you know, being your authentic self on your snowboard, finding, you know, basically being who you are through your snowboard. And, you know, it's kind of a lifelong process doing that. So kind of like the game we run during adult. I don't know. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's kind of us trying to keep our freestyle dreams alive, too in our older age or vintage age, I guess you could call it <laughs> vintage age. All right, chopper. We got a good topic for you here. I think this is a perfect one for you to discuss. Uh, the, one of our Patreon members, Daniel Jensen said half pipe is so specialized. It's really its own sport and not, not part of the culture of snowboarding. What are your thoughts on that statement? Um, I can see people feeling that way when, uh, there's an exclusive half pipe at Mount Hood that you have to pay money to ride. You know, I think it's like over 200 bucks a day to ride. And basically, unless you have uh, financial backing or, you know, an energy drink helmet on your head, you're pretty much not going to be riding it. Um, just one aspect of half pipe, though, I feel like half pipe in general is the basis of freestyle snowboarding and, and boarding in a way. Like if you go to a park, and you have, say, a 10 to 15 foot half pipe, a park jump, and a rail. And the first thing, you know, your average 10 year old kid rolls up on and wants to go hit, maybe kind of intimidated by the 25 foot jump. And then the rail is going to be kind of foreign if you don't know what a, even know what a rail is. But for your average person who doesn't know anything, is going to be like, oh, and knows how to turn. I'm going to go bank up on those walls. Even your average year old snowplower is going to get in there and it's kind of like a, a barrier entry for snowboarding and you're you're going left and right so you're really learning how to use your heels and toes um and so i think the you know the smaller the half pipes that are built in parks and this and that i can't really articulate my words correctly but i just think it's kind of gotten specialized for sure i don't think it's killing snowboarding or anything it's just you know gotten to the point where motocross it's like i remember back in the day when you'd hike a pipe and there was you know 100 people on both sides of the wall hiking and every high-fiving getting hyped on every air nobody was getting taken out on a stretcher you know there's no pressure there wasn't 15 coaches with their arms folded up criticizing every single air 
Um, so that that aspect in half pipe is what I love and, and what has kind of gone away. It's really expensive for resorts to make these 22 foot half pipes where I hear rumors Breckenridge is bringing back their 18 half pipe, which is awesome. Copper tries to have a, a, a 12 footer, but it's rarely groomed well, but every once in a while it is. Uh, even over in Aspen, they have a 13 footer and they do a, they do a mini pipe contest mid spring, which is awesome. So sir, you know, the, the one aspect of half pipe, uh, where it's exclusive and, you know, if you don't have an energy to drink helmet on, you're not getting in is that makes sense. But I don't think half pipe dying. I think it's just, um, it might be making a comeback with all these resorts kind of realizing that's what's happening and, and, uh, catering to, you know, your average snowboarder going up the hill. I don't know if that makes sense at all, no, but, uh, that makes, you know, yeah. Ch Chad, that makes a ton of sense. And I think like, you know, that statement's kind of focusing on what's wrong with snowboarding, and, and it is an issue in some senses, but I think at its core, like, as you know, and everybody in this room knows, half-pipe, the act of riding a half-pipe, it's fucking fun. It is so goddamn fun. And then you got events like Homesick, where you got uh, you got uh, Todd Richards doing a McTwist and a 10-foot half-pipe, and you got a deck that's completely crowded with people. You know, you go to Hood, you hike the pipe. I think half-pipe is alive and well, but I do believe like the competitive teams that, you know, like you said, everybody's getting stretchered off because they they try a triple cork and, you know, smash their face and they're it, it's it's gnarly, you know. Yeah, but then. Yeah, 100 percent. It's like, go ahead. Uh, no, Reed's got to no, take. All right. All right. I was just going to say back to your point, Mount Hood, 15 to 18 foot pipe, you'll see kind of that session that you were reminiscing on of everyone's hiking it together. Everyone's having a good time and. It's accessible. You'll see some goober that doesn't even know how to snowboard, and they're just riding it like bank, banked walls, and that's dope because that's what's getting them into it. So, I, uh, I would be, uh, I'd probably quit the whole filming thing of eighteen to fifteen foot half pipe contests if there was some sort of circuit going on because I think that's the funnest thing to do. Eighteen foot. Eighteen or maybe even fifteen <laughs> in between. Chopper, two. what's your ideal size? Um, 18 for sure. Like what you said, I like, I like 18, 15 gets a little dicey. Cause if, especially if it goes to vert, you're like, really can't really let go. You're kind of really, it's like, if you think about it in half pipe or skateboarding as well, like it's just 18 feels like the most average, I guess you could say, but even the smaller ones are, are fun just to get warmed up on. But when you really want to just feel good, I say 18, but did you, and like you said, homesick, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Nope. I was to say homesick. Like Lane, Lane obviously is a great half pipe rider from the beginning. So I've seen Gunnar like completely tear apart mm -hmm. the the Breck half pipe, but they'll show up and and they'll destroy it along with you know Olympian Todd Richards, and, you know one of the best half pipe riders to ever do it. So it's pretty cool to see that. Did you? Did, what you, were you, gonna say? did you watch the new Sean White doc? Like watching him destroy the eighteen footer. You know, when the double corks are first hitting, it's pretty fun watching him just go buck chulo in those 18s. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, obviously pretty much the most, one of the most talented half-pipe riders and snowboarders to ever strap in. Um, so it's fun watching him, and, I, you know, you see him buttering and playing around in 18-foot pipes. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. that, uh, but that, that gets back to my point. It's like, or whatever we were talking about, how it's, exclusive it is and how high the level's gotten and that's kind of what's made it exclusive right because it's like 
if you're doing triple corks, you're going to like, if you screw up, you know, it shows over, but, but you know, when it's an 18 footer and everybody's high five and rarely is somebody getting carted off. But yeah, Sean's, uh, his documentary is nuts. And the, uh, it's to the point where you need airbags to learn tricks now, as opposed to where you're just kind of like, all right, bro, here we go. Hopefully this works. Um, totally. You know? And when, when we were a kid or when I was a kid, I remember seeing like a premier pipe run might be, you know, Ross Powers going McTwist to front nine. And you're like, well, that's attainable. Like I could, I could maybe do that. But when you watch like, you know, uh, um, Ayumu do a triple cork and you're like, I have to learn that. That is like psychotic. Yeah. Crazy. How do you feel? <laughs> no, same, How do you same. feel, Chad, when you see like when you see that trick? Because you're a really good pipe writer and he's a judge, too. And a judge. Yeah. There you go. Like what's your feeling when you <laughs> see that? Not from a judge though, like from yeah. a pipe writer and you know the feeling of that. You go big, you get upside down. But that like chucking that triple, I mean, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I get entertained like it's like a gladiator spectacle sport when I watch it on TV, but it's definitely not not, not a feeling that I makes me like when I watched, you know, you, you go even far far back as uh, New Kids on the Twalk where they did the Soda Springs jib pipe where, you know, they're doing you know, at, you know alley of threes and things like that. That made me want to go ride a half pipe when i see a yuma go i'm like wow that's amazing but it doesn't make me want to go ride pipe but it's the same in slope style as well you know like i see someone doing 1800 i'm not like stressing and i was a snowboard coach for a couple of years and the kids that i was coaching that was the era of like double corks maybe you know mm -hmm. triple corks and park jumps were just coming around and the kids were a couple of the kids were doing them but they would even would mention they're like i don't even really want to do this you know right and then it, was, it just got awkward then too because that was like when coaches started showing up at the park and there'd be coaches on the knuckle and they'd be like sack up kid do the double and you're just like dude like the kid kind of wants to have to do it like i don't know so or yeah and a lot of the kids back in that era too kind of were falling off and they were looking more into uh rails and backcountry and street riding and things like that like literally when i was a coach half of the kids in that dust box movie were 14 to 16 year old kids in the programs that i was coaching like i know all of them and they kind of went off into doing their own thing because i don't think a lot of them want to do you know the extra 180 so, I mean, but it is exclusive. Some kids do, and, and that is pushing snowboarding in that direction. Whether you want to agree that it's the right direction is one thing, but it is a direction, I guess. I don't really know. It's not the direction I look look to go to. Um, I look to go to the, the, you know, I wouldn't really say the more you spin makes you a better snowboarder. So it's kind of an awkward thing when it, I think it's more relatable to people on TV. So here's a here's a perfect segue into a uh, Patreon question from Cody Ferner, one of our Patreon members. He said, yeah. this may just be my personal opinion, but it seems like as though action sports as a whole has hit a peak of innovation as far as gear and tricks, apparel companies are digging in the crates, bringing back old designs with updated tech, and style and trick selection is favored across all sports rather than straight-up progression, i.e. more flips, more spins. It has become less is more 
but the less being done tastefully. His question is, do you think we have hit a ceiling as far as progression and now we are on a downturn, or do you think progression is still happening but in a different way? Um, I think progression is happening in a different way, for sure. Like, look at Marcus Cleveland. You know, he, he can do his spin as fast as he want, but he kind of like the way that he does his tricks are different. Um, and the more, like, the word progression in, in competition seemed to be like who did the most spins and flips was a relatable progression. Like, as a judge, I would be like, whoever spin, I jokingly be like, whoever spins, flips the most in the most diverse way diverse way and then with like the most amplitude and goes the biggest wins and you just kind of like line that up and try to get that right along the the uh scale and when sean was winning every contest it was easy because you're like dude if he wins we just put him in first and then you know slowly he he got ticked down but uh but yeah it's different and then like like to to go way back, I think it was 2006, you and Scott and, you know, the Academy crew at the gathering at Copper, I went and did a switchback 10, which was like technically, you know, an MVD then and was a big spin in the pipe and that would be called progression. But at the same time, we also had an outhouse on a quarter pipe that you went eight feet high on frontside invert, you know, like that was technically just as insane. And then Scotty was kind of coming into his own on his style of snowboarding, doing Michael Jackson 360s on picnic tables up on the hill. And that aspect of progression was there too, not just as much who can go spin and flip and go the biggest, the most um, style um, as far as like mainstream snowboarding goes. And and uh, I don't know, I still feel like in mainstream snowboarding, uh, as far as like the Olympic stuff, it's still kind of, in that who can spin and flip the most. Um, but if you're like a core snowboarder and uh, really want to keep your score, core score high, you're going to, you're going to look at, you know, style and, and old tricks and, you know, everybody's bringing back the nineties cause that's before the Olympics. And when snowboarding was, you know, really progressing in our faces every single day, you look at Peter line. And I think for a decade, everybody looked at him to see what the new trick was and, and what was going on in snowboarding and he was kind of like had that alien and spider-man-ish style that that was he'd go and fling things and they would work out and look good um but yeah i i agree with what he's saying it's like the i i think there's still progression in just in a different way those are some hot takes mm -hmm. i love chad great Great takes on all that stuff. Now, uh, you know, just if I'm thinking specifically about a cool direction in terms of, did you judge X Games this year? I did not. Oh, no. Okay, because you know, because uh, remember there was there, there was the uh, Marcus Cleveland did the the triple Todio move, and a lot oh, of people yeah, were yeah. doing more rotations, and they favored the like triple Todio. What What are your thoughts yeah. on like on that specifically, like the triple Todio versus the 18s? I think the fact that he nollied it too, he did a nolly triple Todio. Yeah. Thank you. Um, which kind of, which kind of, you know, like it, it's a chicane ish move, but he like emphasized his nolly, which was really cool. Um, and that's where the, the diversity came in and he, he won. Um, where it's just like, like I was saying earlier too, like the kids want to, I feel like half pipes a little more, 
uh, snowboarding because you're losing, you're using your edges a little more. Where park jumps, you're just kind of going at it and see who can spin hard left or who can spin hard right the fastest. Where I feel like Nolly and Fakie Ollie, uh, we should you know Marcus is kind of the only one really doing it and doing it like correct. Um, and that would be really cool if that kind of came into play more on park jumping. But uh, yeah, so I mean that's definitely why he won. If he, you know, I didn't, I didn't really even pay attention to who won or not. But if he won, then I can see that being the point of why he won. Yeah, I like that. I think that Nolly was was huge. I mean, I was seeing some debates on it too, and I just thought it was different. Like I'd never, no one had ever seen anything really like that. And so you can you could put it to whatever you were familiar with, but everyone that was hating on it had really no nothing good because it was like. Well, that was just a chicane. Well, it wasn't. It was but, a nolly chicane, if anything, and it was a cranked nolly chicane. And nobody else can do that trick. There's like 10 people doing 18s or whatever it is, and then there, he's the only one doing this one. Well, there's a reason why he's Straight the only up. one doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, now I, I get curious about if you zoom out on the progression as a whole, right? We're starting to get into that aerial ski jumping. You know where the guys go up the ski ramp and they do like 10 backflips and a fucking 1440 or whatever? Like, yep. and they don't grab and they're just like go with their hands above the head. Like, are are we concerned about getting into the aerial ski situation where people lose interest because it's too fucking much? Can I, can I interrupt really no, quick? Bro, yeah, Reed's got to take. Get in there, Reed. <laughs> I, yeah, you got it. I didn't watch any of the X Games this year, and I'm I'm uh, curious to. St- or none of my friends really did. We saw like snowboard Jesus and some other influencers involved, and just thought it was kind of <laughs> cringe and w- w- wasn't even paying attention. So you guys are talking about all these tricks that went down, and I had one no idea because I had just lost interest in it. You'd only seen what and snowboard I'm, Jesus was posting, or just random shit on Instagram because I just wasn't watching it and then i'm curious about the other people and like my friends i know they didn't really watch it i'm wondering if the general public was watching it or if they also lost interest because they're like this is just foolish now i I don't know i watched i think they're trying to change direction you did huh i did um should i should i have a take on this sure yeah yeah, absolutely you're just having a conversation yeah so my I mean, as far as I saw it, I could see what they really the mistake that they made by pulling in the influencers. But I also saw kind of where they were going with it. And then to me as a viewer, I mean, I mean, I consider myself kind of general public when it comes to watching the X Games these days. Um, it's on a level that's I never experienced for sure. So it's just a different thing. And then. To see that, you know, the rapper down at the big air jump kind of do that like acapella thing on the mic outside. Like to me, I was like, well, that was a miss. Like that sounds awful, first of all. Who's this guy? <laughs> and, but I was just like, but it didn't really take away from the snowboarding. I kind of was just like, man, it, it's too bad the pros got to kind of like cruise through that every time and sort of be like, yo, it really sounds terrible up there like check your your scene you know like uh, but you know i don't know i'd put it more on the influencers like if they call them and they're like yo you want to come do this thing at the x games like homie should have been like no dude i don't perform in that kind of scene like 
I want my shit to sound good. Like that's not the snowboarders or the X Games fault, really. They were just kind of trying to bring a new take, I would say. And I, I have no reason to defend either side here, really. I'm more snowboarder, I think, than anything. But tell me the snowboarding suffered from it because the snowboarding was insane. Like it, I mean, we were just talking about Mark's trick right now, and it was something that had never been done. The knuckle huck went nuts. The girls went crazy. They were landing stuff they had never done in competition. Like, it didn't slow them down. So, I would think, like, from a general public perspective, because I would consider myself general public, I don't necessarily watch something like the X Games and look at some of the big spins or tricks and understand what's going on. So, I think that's where the whole influencer thing does come into play because, like, you know, I got into snowboarding because it seemed really cool and rebellious and, like, there's this whole scene and something that you're attracted to because of the, like, vibe that it's giving off. And something like X Games that is, like, a household name, people know what it is, they do need to consider who's representing the sport. And then I don't think it's on the influencers to be like, well, no, I'm not going to do that because... Obviously, you're like that's some the event organizer. That's a good point. Yeah, you're like some yeah, random yeah. influencer that's like, oh, X Games, like, let's go. That's what I'm all about. Like, I don't think they understand. I just think it comes down to the people who like understand what it's all about and the people who understand what it's not. And that's like what we were talking about yesterday, too. It's just the people, put the people in charge who like know what's up. Yeah, well, from I, an art perspective, I guess, is where the influencer would be, have to consider a little bit. Like, I'm only going to, if I was getting called on a job, I'm not going to like, do something that's going to make my product mm-hmm. well, suck. And so that that's where I mean on that. But I, I agree with your, I, your take I, I want to just kind of halt on this for a second because we're going to get into snowboard media and the, and the direction we're going a little bit later in the show. Sure. I think I kind of want to bring it back to, like, progression of snowboarding in the sense that, like, you know, going back to the question, Chad, about, you know, we're getting into the territory of aerial, uh, you know, basically skiers doing aerial maneuvers with these 1800s, are, are, do you see it as a point of concern or is there any solution? Well, I, I honestly, I made a post about it a couple of years ago saying that big air was birthed in aerial jumps. If you think of the, the Breck aerial jumps from, from uh, hard hungry and homeless where like Dale and Nate and Roan were doing all the tricks on the old aerial jumps, like they would melt down and turn into park jumps. <laughs> and like, so that was kind of, I remember for me, that was kind of a birth of like, 720s on park jumps and things like that uh but i it's definitely a concern and it and it's been going on for years people are like this is turning into aerials and you're like yeah it's been aerials for a long time but people like marcus cleveland who are pushing it in more of a a snowboard style skateboard style where you're nollying and you're doing different styles of rotations like you know he's like a modern peter line in his axis um is making it different and making it uh less spinny and flippy you know you know so you can spin and flip the most and make it more uh in a more technical aspect and more you know snowboarding in a way where you you got to be creative and do something different and rodney mullen in a way and riding your skateboard different than normal people would ride their skateboard ride your snowboard different than normal people would ride their snowboard so hopefully it stays in that direction and gets noticed in that direction and gets judged in that direction as opposed to Who's going to spin and flip the most and go the biggest, the cleanest, and the most diverse ways? Well, not in the most diverse ways, but, and, and you know, just the numbers. But it's still hard because if you look at, like, figure skating, it's like 
everybody wants to see the quadruple, I think it's like quadruple axle or something. No one wants to see the two and a half technical thing. They just want to sit there and watch TV and see who can spin, and spin the most on their ice skates. I don't know. It's kind of the way I saw it when I was a kid watching like whatever in the Olympics. Um, but hopefully, you know, in the future, like announcers and, you know, I think X Games is just trying to get more views by bringing those influencers in, but more experienced than, you know, announcers like that know what's going on and can, can explain that to the viewers. Um, so they're more engaged as opposed to just looking at numbers. hundred uh, percent. You, you know, one thing yeah. to highlight too, in the whole, the consumer experience of this to get into the weeds real fast on this stuff is like, it was a live stream on YouTube. It wasn't a TV show. On a TV show, you have commercial blocks. So the commercial blocks are filled with ads. And then you get back to the broadcast where some of, I felt bad for some of these people because they got they got to fill these like 30-minute blocks of like influencers and young gravy. And, and it's like it, it, it is a bit of a – to give them a little bit of credit, it is a little bit more of a hurdle to fill a four-hour live stream than it is to – to have like commercial TV blocks. That's uh, a great point. So that you know, from a consumer yeah. experience, but I we're gonna gonna get into that stuff later in the show. So I don't want to go too deep on that. But Real quick, can I jump in on yeah. the progression? Yeah, so, absolutely. Like to your point of the ice skating, it's it's funny. Everyone wants to see the quad, but it also kind of stops at the quad, right? Like no one's really chucking five or six spins. Like it sort of is the quad is the standard in ice skating as much as it is annoying that you just have this thing you have to do for a certain score. It, it kind of capped out at what they can do, like how much pop they can actually get off of that ice and, and those rotations to where it looks clean. And it seems like snowboarding eventually will hit there because, I mean, coming around out of six spins at any size is, is violent. And so at some point, the body's just not going to be able to take that impact and you're going to have to do make tens you know, to, to Cleveland's point, like make those smaller spins super interesting again mm -hmm. by cracking nollies and boning them and whatever it is. What was the Blades True of Glory that. move where they decapitated <laughs> each oh other? Oh my God, so good. I don't remember <laughs> the name yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. It's called like Iron, Ma I don't know. I don't remember. The Iron Lotus. The Iron, Iron Lotus. Lotus? Yeah, the okay. Iron Lotus. That's go. exactly That's what, what I was thinking about the whole time. Yeah, the straight Iron Decapitation. Lotus. Well, Chad, I, I want to say thanks for the call. Uh, we appreciate you having, having you on the show. You had some great insights, and I hope you go bag a few more teeners before winter comes. That's the plan. Thanks thanks for having me. It's great to hear from you guys. Hope things are good in Utah. You too, Chad. Keep killing it. Love you, G. I'm sure. Appreciate you See you, dog. Appreciate Bye, you, Chad. Chad. I'll talk to you thanks. later. Thank you. Oh, wow. What a great call from Chopper Digital. Good catching up with him. Knowledge. You, you know, talking about all that stuff, like, one of the things that comes to mind too is is basically like some of the guys out here, like like we're talking about all these giant rotations. To in my opinion, Ayumu in the half pipe, he makes that shit look fucking good. He does. You know, like Kaishu makes it look good. You look at even Taylor Gold, he's doing double Michael Chuck late 180. Like nobody else is doing that. You know, Danny Davis. There's people doing big stuff, making it look good. Still. I think Taylor's an awesome example of of progression because he's he can he can hang with all those guys and but his focus is on style and a bit of like a kind of a unique bag of tricks mm -hmm. in comparison to the field and i think that's i think that's progression right there like mm -hmm. in a in a flooded market right mm -hmm. 
Totally. And I got another total side take on on snowboarding too, because you know, there's a lot. I hear a lot of people, um, you know, basically unhappy with like, you know, the state of of trying to make a living in snowboarding is fucking tough, right? Like it's as as anybody can attest. Read Global Am here can attest. Like <laughs> it, it's it's not it's not an easy place to make your way in snowboarding and earn a living. And I hear I hear it, you know. Yeah, at least in our circles over and over again about, you know, people unhappy with pay and not getting the 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 shine or the space they deserve. And but you know who has it the absolute fucking worst, in my opinion, is like the tenth to thirtieth place competitive snowboarder. Cause these guys and girls are doing the most unbelievable things you've ever seen. They're the best snowboarder you might ever see in your life. And they, a lot of them can't even get a fucking board sponsor. They maybe are only getting support from, like, the U.S. team or, like, you know, very minimal support for these competitive snowboarders. And they are just unbelievably good. I don't know if you guys have a take on any of that. I mean, let's hear it for the 10th to 30th placers, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Reed? Uh, do I have a take on that? I uh, Not really. I mean, yeah, that kind of, that sucks, but... Uh... I don't, I don't. You I don't, don't get it. All right, we'll keep it moving. You picked. Your I mean, lane, that's I probably guess. the case in like any sport, right? You're like, you like get fifth in the Olympics or whatever, and it's just like, ooh, yeah. you're probably not really getting it. You fifth, just lost. Fifth, you just lost. Yeah. Fifth, you're probably getting some bread, but like fifteenth, you yeah. might be struggling to make it. Silk, what do you think? Back Unless there? you're a golfer, that's just com- yeah, that's oh just competition. Oh yeah, you can get like a I mean, hundredth in golf and still get a bunch of money, right? For sure. I've never been to the Olympics and never will, but. It just seems like if you don't win, you just lost. It's totally that scenario. The second or third to just like pay for your trip. All right, we're going to take a break and talk to you guys about Bubs Naturals. Big news from Bubs. They got new branding on their collagen, on their all their products. How are you liking that branding, Jones? I think it looks good. They're always updating, keeping it fresh. It's clean. And I have been chugging the Bubs Natural Hydrator Dye. It's basically an electrolyte solution. You mix it in some water, shake it around, and it just keeps you hydrated, which is nice. They also got uh, no artificial colors, no added sugars. It's made from nature, from all good stuff. And the thing I like is I drink about twice as much water because it actually tastes good. So uh, it's, it's good to stay hydrated out there. What else? Uh, what have you been on from the Bud, Bub's products, Jones? Man, from day one, the protein collagen. I mean... It's just a go-to for my bones, for my joints, uh, my skin. I feel better when I'm on it, so I just stay true to it, really. Coffee's a dope addition. Yeah, it just came Love up that Bub's Brew. And uh, Bub's is just a rad company in general, so if you want to support them, head on over to bubsnaturals.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE. Again, head on over to bubsnaturals.com, use promo code BOMBHOLE at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. All right, we're going to get into some tech talk here. We get a lot of requests from all of our listeners to talk about, not all of them, but a lot of our listeners like to hear us talk about product nerd type of stuff. So um, we're going to be catching up with Maggie Leon here in a little bit, who is a product developer. She's a product tester and a rider for uh, Rome Snowboards. And uh, she actually has a, she did a podcast with us a while ago too. So we're going to bring Maggie Leon on. Maggie, can you hear us? Are you on the air? I can. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to to have you on. First things first, I want to hear you this about this big switch from uh, Burton over to Rome. What's going on over there? 
Well, it was a pretty major change. Um, I ended up running into the CEO in Waterbury when I was visiting my friend Ashley, who's a photographer, just trying to get her take on, I don't know, a few brands. If she had suggestions who might be interested in supporting a hybrid style role, something along those lines. And uh, we went to grab a beer across the street. And it turned out the CEO, who's um, from Europe, was visiting the office um, based in Waterbury. And I guess he had heard of me. So he asked if we could grab coffee. And we met the next morning. And he worked with me to, to curate a role that made sense for me and basically hit and checked every box of mine and then some. So it basically was something I couldn't say no to. Tell us exactly what your role is. Um, so it's a split role between rider engineer. So we landed on 6040 because I wanted to be more involved with projects. Um, instead of just being involved for half the year, I wanted a little bit more than six months. So for 60% of the year, I'll be designing and working with the product development team. Um, primarily on boots and bindings, but then I'll be entering the board world a little bit year two. Um, and then for the 40%, I'll be basically the lead tester, working with uh, riders, being that liaison, kind of working with the team and bringing that product-based feedback back um, to see what modifications we need to make to improve our product. So it won't just be Rome-specific. We'll also be doing uh, Italian and lobster as well, but I'll primarily be working on Rome bindings. Cool. So that's all moving out to Amsterdam. Wait, Maggie, congrats so much because me and Maggie, have, like I remember talking with her about this for years. And like every time I see you, we would talk about this and you were just like, is it even possible to like do what I'm trying to do? And it's just so cool that you like are nailing it. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, thank you, Jules. Yeah. I mean, it's been so awesome to be able to bounce ideas off everyone like you who are just like working in this industry and know how hard it can be to try to, to make something work that maybe hasn't existed yet. Um, and it was basically just like I had to pick a bunch of people's brains to see what made sense. And just I don't know. I'm so grateful that it came to fruition. And I don't really know how this all happened. <laughs> so who do you ride for as the 40 percent athlete? Rome. Rome. Yeah. So I'll be I'll finally have the time to film a part, which has sort of been my goal for the past few years. I just haven't been allocated the amount of time that I've truly needed. Um, so ideally I'll be able to work alongside my brother cause he's on the AM team, Joey. Um, so, so <laughs> Joey's too a good ripper. To be true. Joey's a ripper. And, uh, they want to keep the story like kind of Vermont rooted, Vermont based, which is perfect because going over to Europe can be a little bit intimidating. And then this way they'll encourage me coming back. I'll be back every summer for two to three months to like touch base with the team, spend summer skating with Joey and visiting my mom and stuff. So it just, I don't know. It just felt too too right you know what i'm saying congrats that's kick-ass let's let's uh, now that we got a, a mind of a brilliant uh tech god in snowboard technology all the nerds have all kinds of questions for you we get so many questions about step-ons and i guess as you call them convenience bindings which are like the yeah. non non-ankle strap non-toe strap like ratchet ones like the quick bindings where do you feel like we're headed? Are you pro step on? Are you pro convenience binding? What What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think step on and convenience based binding systems are great for a, I'm going to use nerdy terms here, but like a specific consumer based segmentation. So I don't think for everybody, specifically for me, like I grew up writing strap bindings. Um, a lot of my friends who are writing at a really high level like to hear that audible positive click of ratcheting into into your straps right before you drop into a heavy downfall down or something, anything along those lines where it's like a mental game, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think I was thinking back to 
my senior design project at UVM where we work to optimize step on to work for riders with uh, amputations. So primarily working with prosthetics and fitting the prosthetic to a boot. And we kind of focused around accessibility, adjustability, and durability. And I kind of believe that that's something the system is lacking right now is adjustability. Like for me, I am really, really uh, nerdy and like specific about how I set my straps up. So if I'm doing like a weird tuck knee or something where I really need to maximize my mobility and make sure that I have that medial um, flexion, I'll like drop the inside so that I can, you know, let my knee like go as deep as it needs to go. Whereas you're kind of limited, you have hard stops with setups like step on or even like the Nidec or Supermatic, all of those convenient systems, I think work really well for um, a lot of different types of consumers, but not really for me at the moment. Um, so would you say, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting one because I was working with uh, my friend's dad who has just like a big beer gut and I was modifying the step on lever for him. And I realized that like he probably wouldn't be inclined to go snowboarding if he didn't have the step on system because it's not very easy for him to bend over and strap in and get the, get the straps together. So it could work for someone like him or it could work for someone with um, like a final spinal fusion surgery or someone with a upper mobility limitation, stuff along those lines. I think like newer, newer consumers who maybe are just trying out snowboarding here and there, riding once or twice a year. I think it's an awesome fit because strapping in can take freaking forever if you've never done it before like i'm sure you've seen people sitting at the top getting like snow butt because they're sitting on the ground for so freaking long and then they're getting frustrated because maybe the buckles are getting jammed or there's like an issue going on but with step on or with a lot of these other systems it just makes it easy for like a first-time rider to try it out mm. so step on beer gut friendly that could be a good market. <laughs> totally beer gut friendly, friendly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd absolutely say so <laughs> that is good the other thing about step on though is I mean, it is, um, it's not cross compatible, like boot to binding. So like you need mm. the specific boot to go with the binding. So I think that is, um, something that confuses like newer people who aren't even familiar with snowboard gear in general. Mm. But that's a question I get a lot. Like, it's like, what kind of boot can you use? It's like, ah, you kind of need, you do need the step on boot because it has the critical components that engage with the system and interface with the system. So ba basic synopsis would be step-ons, great for convenience, crews and groomers, uh, people that want to just strap in easily, maybe beginners. If you want to get after it, go OG straps. That's my opinion. Okay. Well, let's change gears and talk uh, board tech because we're always we, – this is something that always comes up. You know, I think like Jeremy and I grew up in the era of camber. You ride regular camber boards. Uh, things trended towards reverse camber, like really – like there was some crazy rocker technology, you know, the skate banana was going crazy. Everybody was loving rocker. They had, they were creaming their jeans for rocker for a while. <laughs> and then now we're kind of, it seemed like we're they heading were. back towards hybrid and, and normal camber. Where do you see the future of board technology heading? So my knowledge of uh, the board manufacturing side of things is pretty minimal. Um, but I mean, I've built a lot of my own boards working with the board builders over at Burton. And for me personally, I freaking love camber because I like how it's, it's basically a spring. It's spring loaded. It's got this positive snap where you can leverage the shape of the board to kind of do what you want to power that thing up. But I feel like with rocker, you just get like, it's just like, mm, you know what I mean? It's just like sog town. But I don't know. I'm definitely pretty basic with my needs. Like I took the talent scout and modified it a little bit by... Um, profiling the core to be a little bit thinner and 
that's pretty much the only thing I did to that board. Like I'm still riding the traditional waist width of fuck. I don't even know what it is. Maybe two two thirty five or something like that. Um, uh, what we got? Yeah, it's got the talent stamp mold, and I don't know. At Rome, I'll be probably running something different because I'm going to be working uh, pretty closely with Chilton, which I'm hyped on. Which you said reads with you, right? Yeah, I was gonna say we got Reed here, and I know that he's got uh, interesting board. Chilton's the man. Yeah. <laughs> so he you're living in Amsterdam. Oh, you're you're right next to him. No, no, I was talking oh. to him earlier. On oh, okay, track. okay, word. Yeah, he's he's the best. Yeah, Reed, what's your take he's as a uh, in terms of uh, board technology? I know you're a real product snob when it comes to the tech. No, I honestly have. I'm I'm not great because I actually have worked with Chilton before and we were doing blind board tests for the Twin Pig for a ride before it came out. And I pretty much mm-hmm. had nothing to say about all eight different boards. I was like, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> sweet. I think it'll be that's good. Like, so I, uh, That's how Joey operates too. Yeah, I think my, uh, my, my whole thing is you're going to get used to whatever you're riding and uh, end up liking it. But so I... So I kind of know nothing about the gear that i'm riding i'll know simple things like it's camber or asymmetrical or something like that but i think that uh sometimes i'm just picking the board that i like the graphic the best for for the year of what i'm gonna ride the most unless it's something like a really soft park or street board and you're in powder and you might want something a little bigger then that definitely makes a difference but i'm starting to learn more here with you and jill and like, I think, I think you guys released a video too, right? I forget the name of it. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was for all your the, street clips like alongside each other. Yeah. That was for, uh, this board, they unisex board they made called the, the zero. Yeah. Where so we, where we at? To be unisex yeah. and then marketed alongside that. Right. Or was it just like a board that was designed for riders that are looking to hit handrails and looking for a specific style board and then Jill just liked it. I no, talked no I think that was, uh, so that's a, they started, I think Chilton started that, but it was for the a unisex collection and they had that board and something that was more street and soft, softer kind of specific. And then they had a, uh, more aggressive board called the bench warmer that I was riding those two that whole year and it was sweet. I don't know. I don't. I don't have much to say about the tech, but I like hollow it. head board testing. By yeah, ho- hollow thy skull <laughs> is always the best way to go about it. <laughs> but I, I have a question about unisex boards because I back the concept. But Maggie, maybe you would know this. Like, from my knowledge, women have a lower center of gravity, or at least a different center of gravity. So how does that work? Like, is it just size wise, or how does that work for unisex boards? If you know. Something that I've struggled with for riding men's boards is the waist width. It's just too wide for me. So the board rides so much larger because it takes a lot more power to get from from edge to edge. You know what I'm saying? Because like my foot doesn't fit the the imprint correctly. So yeah, that that makes a board yeah, feel like you're riding like a like a table down the road. Like you can't. Can't get it. It just on takes edge. a lot, yeah, to get on edge. So it makes a yeah. really good board actually super crappy when it doesn't fit you right in that way. Exactly. Like for me, I don't know. There could be like a a dude that's my weight but and maybe my height or maybe a little taller but he's probably gonna have bigger feet you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that's just something that i've kind of struggled with because ever since i was a little kid i was kind of like anti-women's products just because of like what they represented like i never wanted to be that girl riding pink i never wanted to be like i don't know i just always wanted to be on what joey was on but he was so much bigger than me that i like i would really force it like i was riding shit that was not my size because i just thought it was cooler <laughs> genius but 
That's a pro um, yeah, tip. Super <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, I don't know. I'm interested to talk to Chilton about it just because, like I said, I really do not know a whole lot about like boards in general. I just know about the stuff that I've been designing for myself, which even then, like I made the existing inline talent scouts softer. So my feedback probably is not the most valuable here. No, I think that, I think you hit it right on like the width and the flex. Those are the two things that are going to like make an even board to go for, you know, to be a all genre, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's to your point, Jules, like even, even a woman with a foot size that will fit a 235 like Maggie's on, you might not have the weight to even handle that. So you might still feel the same kind of drag and clunkiness in that width. But if the flex kind of matches it and it gets super soft, then that it's going to come closer to that like medium, I guess. And so it's a tough one mm-hmm. just because dudes generally are just heavier and bigger than ladies. And so, and feet, feet are specced all over the place. Like a massive dude might have a size eight foot. It really exists. It's really weird, but it, it happens a lot. And then you have like 13 year old kids. Now this is what I've noticed. And you could probably speak to this Maggie, like with bindings, especially you have 13 year old kids, 11 year old kids that have size 13 feet. What do they ride? They're still only like 80 pounds, but they've got these massive feet. So they need a really soft, right. wide board. And then and then that comes back to like high back height, which is a whole discussion. That, correct. Uh, and what binding yeah. fits that? Like I really have to get a large binding to go on this. You know, I mean, it's it is it's it's there's some some hard space to navigate mm-hmm. for the for the perfect product i would say customize everything is and the best I, way and i kind of think people like worry about it a little too much like i'm with Agreed. reed because i've like looked at reddit and stuff and there's so many tech questions and i've also worked at milo sport and like people will come in and just be like i don't know anything i need a snowboard and like when you start hitting them with like some tech talk they really get what? intimidated and confused mm. and they really want yeah. the right thing but like part of me is like i don't know just get a board and like it'll probably be fine like generally go, uh, of the right size what you're looking for like there's obviously parameters but like i don't know how yeah much fit it into that range and you'll probably be chilling right you know yeah. i got an interesting yeah, there's been a... oh go ahead i was just gonna say like surrounding um high backs and just binding sizing in general like i my first high back project at burton was for progression so like rental ltr and it was all shared sizes. So there's like, it's four sizes, women's small, women's medium, men's small, women's large, men's medium, medium and then men's large. But a huge discussion surrounding the high back height was like Q angle, which are you guys familiar with that? What that is? I recently learned what it was, but nope. Nope. I guess it's the quadriceps angle, which is um, women have like a higher Q angle. So it's uh, the angle of relativity from your quad to your patella because women are at a higher risk for knee injury or something. So the like angle that our legs sit at are like wider so you're supposed to have like a shorter high back to leverage it or something like that it was like a whole whole thing but i also kind of like i feel like a five millimeter difference is not going to fucking matter so we're not just like share the models so that we don't have to open as much tooling Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that was my debate i like but because it was rental they were like okay yeah we'll do four sizes because it's way cheaper and then you need to get a higher grade steel for those injection parts because you're doing like a ton of shots so it's really expensive Anyway. Well, I have a, a bit of information on tech stuff I was thinking about. 
because as of recently, I switched to Capita a couple of years ago, and I was like, I was riding the same Solomon board for like 10 years. So I just was like, send me that one. And I never tested anything. So I was getting familiar with the line, and I started getting, I've been nerding out on testing boards. And one thing for the consumer I think is cool is toying around with sizes, right? So if you go to a snowboard shop and you're like, okay, I'm six foot, I weigh 180 pounds, there's going to be like a board that is like, it's going to say on the little spec sheet, which one is for you. And what I've realized is like, I might get sent that board, but it's too stiff. So, so Mm -hmm. playing around with like, when you find a, a platform that you like, like, for example, I like the Mercury, right? But I got the Mercury, I got the Mercury, uh, 58. And it was it was too stiff for me for park. Like I, I couldn't get the thing to move on a rail. So I downsized. I can't remember the size, 55 or something like that. And all of a sudden, this thing is perfect for me in all regards. Mm. And the spec sheet, it's it the whole thing softened up. It was more playful. The the flex pattern was more nimble compared to just a few millimeters, you know? So I think in terms of board size, like if you like a board and it's too stiff and you like the platform, just downsize. Or if you like a board and it's too soft, upsize. Cause like, I've also been playing around with riding really big soft boards. So you can get away with riding a 161 navigator and the thing is a noodle and I can put it wherever I need to and I can maneuver it and I can wheelie because it's soft. So you can, you can kind of, you can get away with more with a big soft board then if I was riding a 161 stiff dogger, that thing would be riding me. You know what I mean? So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a little bit of information for the consumer is like, don't be afraid to play around with sizes in regards to flex. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then just figure out what that baseline is and work from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Killer. Um, okay. One question I got to ask, you know, this is some text talk is I see a big trend happening these days. With kids riding without fucking goggles. Can somebody <laughs> fucking explain that to me? What What is going on with the no fucking goggles? Like thing? just sunglasses I, or nothing? No, no eyewear. You're saying when you grew up in Massachusetts, snowboarding, you would wear goggles. I was a go- I've always been a goggle guy. Yeah. Even like, I've never worn goggles. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of an East Coast thing, I think. I feel like it's a messing gog- with my, my vision. The the goggles are messing with your vision. Yeah, the something like rails or something like that. I don't know. You're gonna tell me you're hitting the jump, eyes watering. You got snowflakes. The goggles are messing with your vision. <laughs> no, snowflakes are rain. You you need them, but yeah, I'm I'm. Reed, I'm I'm with you. It's a pe- I'm saying like on a all mellow your, all slope. All your credibility is going out the window right I'm now. Saying on like all a, the credibility is <laughs> tanking. I'm saying on like a mellow sloped like East Coast run. Obviously, if I'm at Brighton or something, I'm wearing fucking goggles, but. Okay. Uh, it it depends on where you are. You're saying you're going to well, a down bar in the streets and you're throwing on some goggles. No, I'm not. You're riding two miles an hour into a <laughs> exactly. road. Exactly. That's what you're doing on the East group, Coast too. He's talking about trip. the mountain though. Like if you're gonna go like kit up snowboarding, yeah, put I'm on your snowboard go up kit, a go ride the mountain, go on a chairlift. Yeah, I'm wearing I'm wearing goggles yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. You're gonna tell me East Coast? You go to Mount Snow? You go to Sugarbush? You go to Stow or whatever? Like you're you're not wearing goggles, Maggie? No, never. What happens when you're going faster than four miles an hour? I'll bring him if we're doing like big T to B runs or something like that. But I don't know. I think I'm just so used to like we grew up riding night mountains. Mm. So having something on my face now just feels really strange. But that's why I was so ill-equipped when I came out um, for the bomb hole podcast with you guys and didn't have anything when it when I got my first cow day. I was like, oh, my God, I don't even have. Yeah, that yeah, sounds awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, no goggles horrible. on a pal day sounds absolutely I borrowed terrible. everyone's stuff, so I, I had some stuff, but... Perfect. 
Your eyes kind of get used I just, to like, being watery. That. Hmm. I, I like. I get the night riding thing. Anytime I'm night riding, I, I don't think I wear goggles if I don't have to, and then I'm like pretty bummed if it's snowing. Yeah. And I have to put some <laughs> clears on. Although snowing at night is maybe the best thing ever. And yeah, riding. Cool. I did start wearing a light shell though, and I'm way happier now. So. A what? Sorry. A light shell. Just like as opposed hoodie. to a cotton hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that full-blown board-binding boot engineer, but then she's out there wearing cotton. The totally. Eyes watering. Eyes watering. No goggles. Frozen cotton. tears. <laughs> Respect, Maggie. Well, we know where the focus is. It's good. Maggie, I've took your lead on some of your tips on the binding straps, and I did that a lot last year, shifted my straps um, for different things think? I was trying. I mean, I did it a little bit prior, but you got me all juiced, and... So I went that extra mile and just kind of thought, like I was adjusting my straps all the time, like where the, you know, they used to call it bone out at Burton, where the bone mm -hmm. out zone was, you know, yeah, shift that I around to the inside or the outside. And yeah. The bone out strap Doyle showed me, it has like, like a through hole for yeah. that. I don't know. It's made for Jake, right? Yeah. And then really everyone, cause there's that pinch point right there. So you need, you need some space to bone out essentially. I got a question for you. I got a question for you, Maggie. And, and this is a good one for you too, Jules, and just in general, everybody in here. But uh, so LibTech, from what I understand, recently decided to remove um, uh, Jamie Lynn's been doing art forever on snowboards. And he would draw this woman, uh, topless woman. And I think she's kind of like a almost like an avatar alien woman. And, you know, he's mm -hmm. very famous. You're probably familiar with his. It's been on Jamie. It's been on a bunch of boards like Lando and, yep. and Travis's boards. And so they uh, a, a bunch of, I believe, women got really upset about the <laughs> objectification of women. And they ended up removing uh, Jamie Lynn's art moving forward in regards to like anything with a woman on the board. I would love to hear your guys' takes on that. Um, you I'm go first? Yeah, I'm not the one to ask. I'm. I have like a Burton Love sticker collection framed on my fucking wall. So then you are the one to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think. Um, <laughs> go ahead. No, you go, Jewel. <laughs> Before I get into my take on this, I just want to let everybody know that I am a cold hard feminist. I think I would like to see Jamie continue to do his art because to me, while it is like a naked female body, it's not sexualizing the naked female body. It's actually, to me, it seems like an artistic celebration of the female body and like being able to view a woman's body in a non-sexual way to me is actually doing better for like femininity or womanhood going forward than it is doing bad. Um, and I you can agree. ask like how is like inherently it's sexual to naked female body, but I would argue that I mean, a woman's body is the pinnacle of life biologically, so why are, why are we not able to view it in a respectable, artistic, like, celebratory way? Um, why is it always, like, why does it always have to be sexualized? In something that's so historically sexualized, I think that Jamie Lynn's interpretation is actually uh, a good thing, and it isn't sexualizing it. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I... 100% agree. Also, like, if you look at them, like, a lot of the time, it's like, yeah, it's like this alien chick, and there's, like, 
wings or flowers or she looks powerful and and like mysterious and that's like Mm -hmm. the essence of a woman in a lot of ways and like why just because jamie's a man or just because he's doing it often or whatever it is why like why i just don't think that it needs to be a bad thing Mm -hmm. and i feel like it was just done so tastefully right in my opinion that i don't know i think uh just the the era we're in maybe Currently. Yeah, I would like to see a push more towards just like not looking at something as sexual sexualizing it just because it's a body and being able to like look at it for I don't think you can properly celebrate the female f- role without celebrating her physical form. I thought your your take of it, how did you say it that <laughs> I mean uh, it's life like the beginning of life is a is a woman, right? But like, like the way you said that and just sort of positioned it, I think is. I mean, it should be the only way it's looked at uh, as this. I mean, it's premium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all came from a woman. Like biologically, that's the only way to keep uh, reproducing and creating life forms. So, um, I just think that there's a way to acknowledge that and celebrate that without sexualizing it and i think that's what jamie was doing Hmm. and i think that like like a snowboard and gear but it's really a snowboard is like it is a piece of art and that's his interpretation (laughs) and that's what he cares about that's what i care about like i i love that yeah and i believe like the love collection is a different story it's like playboy centerfolds that like were featured in 2009 you know what i mean versus like his like I said, I believe is really tasteful. But um, I think like maybe even the Burton thing, like I don't, I guess I don't really know what you're talking about. I'd have to look at it, but like it, it depends who's making those decisions because if it's the woman being like, yeah, put my body on that thing. Like to, in my opinion, that's it, it was like, the that woman, was it's like, I mean, she's taking back the narrative. She's like, okay, cool. This is my body. I back that what this is. Like I'm the one making the decisions. I'm reframing the narrative and like, this is my power. As opposed, like, it just depends. There's a little nuance there. I would well, say. And who, I think mm-hmm. s- who supports it, you brought a good point. Like, who's presenting this? And at, at Burton's, you know, the that breakdown on Maggie, correct me if I'm wrong on this, please. But I, from what I understand, there was protests in the Burton parking lot over those graphics, those Playboy graphics. It was a license to deal with Playboy. So who knows what the actual models, um, yeah. like, participate participation in that is but they either way they've probably signed the thing that playboy has those rights to that photo anyway but donna i recall was always backing this thing and she would go in front of the press and say this is this is why we're doing this this is not what you're saying and am i wrong on that maggie like she she was the presenter in a sense and the spokesperson spokeswoman Mm -hmm. when it came to like the resistance and the you need to just, yeah. you know, pull all those boards from the shelf. People did not like those that boards. That was kind of Doyle explained it to me as well. Like Donna took the lead and kind of, I mean, she didn't spearhead it, but she spoke up and out, you know. Backed it up. You mean yeah, she didn't exactly. want to pull the boards? She did not want to pull the boards. She was the one when that protest happened. Donna, how can you do this? You know, the press are kind of drilling her with that. You're a woman. She's like, that's why I can. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember she had like a, 
a journal entry. It was like a like a journal entry about like her vagina and like crossed out all the words and replaced it with like snowboard or with Britain. And they like turned it into like a whole ad. Like it was no uh, it was everywhere. And then that really stirred the pot. I don't remember that. I gotta find that. It it's sounds amazing. cool. It, the only reason I know about it is because the, the sticker came with like a pack of a bunch of other shit. And I saw it recently. <laughs> but it's crazy. Well, killer fun stuff to talk about, guys. That was great. You guys had some great takes. Um, Maggie, I want to say thank you so much for coming and giving us uh, your time and appreciate everything that you're doing and congrats on everything over at Rome and kudos to Rome for, for kicking ass and making the right decision and scooping you up and everything. So, um, yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah. So sick. Cool. Well, we, 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 yeah, we appreciate you, Maggie. Thanks for calling in. Love you, Maggie. See ya. Thank you. All right, we're going to get into some heater clips. We're going to talk about a couple of recent clips we've seen on the internet as of late. Um, we can start it off. I think this thing got 2 million views, I believe. Mm. Uh, Zeb at Copper did a nose press rippy flip. Uh, just He just seems like he's on video game mode. He just goes, leans into it, and just lets his body fling how it needs to. Seems to truly just do what he wants when he wants to do it, and they seem to come out of nowhere. It's really not scared to hit, let the bodies hit the floor. Dude. We were riding copper this summer, me and Cooper and Cody, and he was riding, and probably every other run was taking a slam that would put us on the bench for the rest of the day, mm-hmm. and he was just did some sort of roll out of it and kept kept rolling with it. Just all in every go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what I've noticed from being around great snowboarders in the course of my life is the greats, they fucking slam. They slam. Like, when they're they're doing phenomenal stuff, you're going to take a slam. He's got that natural armor, though. That dude yeah. is jacked. Absolutely. And he does have the tuck and roll technique. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder, uh, you know, th- talk about our next clip. Uh, you know, we got Marcus Cleveland back on snow. He's in Australia. He was just warming some stuff up with, like, a backflip board slide and all that stuff. But, like, you know that he's about to cook up some heat. But I wonder, does Marcus Cleveland slam? I might just contradict myself because I feel like I never see that guy go down. I mean, I would think he slams. I, yeah, he slams for sure. I mean, he's he's back on snow, right, from an injury. He oh, had yeah, an injury he fucked a couple himself years up at so Detour. Just, yeah, you're right, yeah. Maybe he doesn't slam super hard, but he, he rotates a lot, so he might come around and tweak knee joints and things like that. Uh, we're going to get into our next clip, which is uh, from Juliet Pelchat. She served up a double wildcat in honor of the wildcats, which is special, and also that beautiful front ten. Uh, her dad is also an absolute legend. Love those clips. It's good to see everybody in Australia throwing down. And then in Australia, you know, a couple other notables. I saw Sean Fitzsimons with that front ten double no grab. I like mm-hmm. I like seeing things head in that direction. And then uh, my my personal favorite in all of the jump clips I've seen is Dusty Hendrickson. Uh, posted some jump clips where he's doing like a really corked front three that's almost like a it's almost like a wildcat it might have been f- turned it to front five but they kind of cut it with the top angle and he's been doing some really beautiful stuff on those park jumps so fun to see dusty back on snow and if you guys haven't seen um, midlife crisis obviously we talked about that earlier uh, great video and then, uh, you know, speaking of what you were just talking about, it made me think, you know, you went to Woodward, uh, we went to Hood, 
what's the premier summer snowboarding zone in North America these days? Do you think it, you like Wood, Woodward Copper better, or you think you think Hood's better? I think it used to be Hood back when they're they had like High Cascade had their own park crew, and it seems like they invested a lot more into having some flow within the park. Now it kind of just seems like it's the same setup all summer for multiple summers in a row. I personally had zero desire to go to Hood, go try and ride the half pipe and get my pass pulled or something. Just sounds like a pain in the ass. And it's also a huge pain in the ass going from Govey driving up, then getting ticket. From leaving the house to your first turn probably takes an hour and a half. You go to Copper, you just drive up there, 10, 15 minutes, and then you're you're boarding. And I like the magic carpet. You It feels more like a skate park, which is nice for the summer boarding, easy on the body, like low slope. You're just kind of cruising around. So I, I would I would vote I'd vote Woodward. Does uh, Woodward have public access to, or do no, you have to be part actually, of the camp? So I guess like Burton bought Woodward or something, so no other companies are allowed to visit. But I don't think they bought it. They have an exclusive deal with exclusive camp. Exclusive. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like companies can't do like a ride week. They yeah. spawn. They sponsored it out basically. Yeah. So every single week is like Burton Pros instead of it switching companies or whatever. But we uh, we finagled a little dust box in there, but we weren't allowed to have like any events go on. But we were allowed to ride the park, and they said maybe next year since we're not like a hard uh, goods competitor. Yep. We're not a competitor. That so Hood definitely deal. seems like it's for the people more, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't have that exclusive. For I mean, the people with the $200 lift tickets. With the people with well, chairs. You know, I think that we've been going there for a freaking hundred years and we got salty old dog take. But we, I, I took the crew, you know, Silk, and we took the limo from Salt Lake to Hood and we made an edit called Bombhold Does High Cascade. And, and uh, you know, it. it was great to go with some first timers. They like they, they had a blast. Like, Jules, you have a take on this, right? Yeah, I think that objectively, you're going to Mount Hood. It's like being in Oregon is so amazing in the summer. It's so unique. There's like water you can swim in. There's activities. There's kids running around at summer camp. There's summer snowboarding. There's like ice cream. There's skateboarding. Like it's just like I personally think that if you can't have fun there, you are kind of being a salty bitch. Like no, you can't have fun. Anyway. <laughs> no offense, Chris, but like you're going there. Like I get it. Twenty years ago, it was more wild. The park was better. All these things, but. Like, just don't always be the back in the day guy because it ruins it for the people who are currently just enjoying. And I remember, like, at one point in my life, I was sitting around a campfire and there was these people talking about, like, oh, back in the day, like, everything was so much cooler. And I'm like, well, maybe back in that time, someone was talking about how much it was cooler back in their day. And, like, it's just never enough. So, like, I understand how it's changed and it, like, can be not as fun, but... It's still so fun to go to summer camp and just like make the most of it. There's so many friends there. Like you can't say you didn't have a good time there. I know you had a good I time. Had a, there. I, I'm not. I didn't say I had a great. I had a great time. I think, <laughs> and I love your take. I want to hear Silk's take because Silk was like, were you first timer there? No, I've been there a couple times before. I lived in Portland for a while, and so I got to ride hood all the time. And Haircut I did a like summer trip like a couple years ago. I think it's a great time. I think it's magical. I don't think the location really matters, though. I think if you're going somewhere with a bunch of buddies and you're road tripping, you're going to have a sick-ass time wherever you go. 
uh, Hood has just been like a dominant hotspot for that. Um, and I've never done like Woodward in the summer or anything, and that sounds sick too. I like a skate park vibe, but I think if you got some homies, you're gonna have a good time wherever you are. I want to. I'm gonna throw it back in the day out there, and it's not. <laughs> Here we go. And it's not a. It's not a. Uh, I wish it was this way, but it's just a nudge to like look at something different, right? Because it's ex- it's expensive now to go to Hood. Like to go buy a ticket, it's it's a harder move to make now than it was back in the day. But even back in the day, whatever the cost was, if it was fifty bucks for a ticket, I still didn't have it, and so it was just expensive as it is now. So you make hood what it is like they have all these things, lakes and skate parks and hikes and mountain bikes and whatever you want to do. Just go enjoy the dope land, like camp out at one of the lakes in a tent, go up to the mountain and hike up. I was there last year with Dogger. Dogger had a broken ankle, didn't want to spend the hundred bucks on a ticket, hiked up and met us every day, you know, and and so he still made it happen. And I, I just think that that. That mentality is important. Just like, well, if you want it, then go get it. Mm-hmm. I think it's also fun at Hood, like, and this could be totally wrong, but I feel like a lot of people maybe don't live in government camp. Like, I know people do, but people live in Summit County, Colorado. So to me, it feels like when you're going to Govey and when you're going to Hood, it's like everyone's kind of on vacation mode, mm-hmm. which you can feel that, and it's fun. It's fun. And then you could stop by Portland on the way out or Short Sands and, yeah. and make a full yeah. vacation out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, Oregon's got big trees. It's got mountains. It's got the ocean. Oregon, The Northwest is great in the summer, no matter how you split it. I vote hood wins. I, I, I got to take <laughs> on, you know, this year there was a lot of a lot of drama, which is fun to talk about, because mm. uh, basically the half pipe was uh, heavily policed, we'll say. And, and a lot of people didn't understand that you like they weren't trying to ride it but they'd like just ride down next to it at the end of the day which uh apparently uh unbeknownst to me is a is a gigantic issue massive issue and uh and so a lot of people got their their passes pulled you know uh our filmer finder got you know issues i know there's just danny davis got issues you know ben Ferguson. so many people had issues with um kind of uh the 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 park police because um, they didn't have the two hundred and sixty dollar half pipe ticket, and and I think that my take on it is that's part of the fun. Like the drama of Hood is part of the fun. It's like going to a WWE match. You want to see somebody get hit by a fucking chair. You know what I mean? Like there's gonna be drama at Hood. There's gonna be whatever it is. Every year it's like Lord of the Flies up there. Something's happening. A bunch of people. There, there's always drama every year. And this year was uh, essentially aggressive. Um, power trip policing of the of the park and and no nobody wants to have to kick anybody out that job sucks but it was definitely part of the allure this year i, I think know. it's cool though that they like that they'll be that strict with whoever like ben ferg i mean you named some pretty powerhouse names there and look dude you don't ride the pipe for free like that's kind of cool it's a boss move on you know timber timber how do you say it? Timber, timberline 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 that's what i wanted to say <laughs> Um, but they, you know, they're, they crack down and they don't just let people cross the, the rope, which I think is kind of dope because you're setting a, a standard for like, look, if, if they're riding it cause they paid, 
so you pay too. At least it's fair. I think that's so fried, though, to have some like additional thing you have to pay for when you've already paid for a lift ticket. I to- I totally agree. I I've just never think the seen flex it on the pros else. is kind of fun. I think the environment that it creates is you have like coaches with iPads mm-hmm. and national teams riding this thing, and and that it it this further isolates half pipe in a sense where it's like it's a private pipe. It's almost. a private pipe, and yeah. I know it's a lot of work to get that thing going, but it, it just digs pipe riding into more of a fucking grave you know what i mean by like making it this exclusive thing and making it you know like because then you you look up at everybody riding the pipe you're like look at these fucking elitists even though you you don't it's not that way it's just the effect that it has socially on everybody right you're like look at these fucking guys i don't know <laughs> 22 also, foot like, grave about the drama thing i would agree chris i think it's fun because you just like come down into the parking lot and then you like tell your story of what just happened to your homies in the parking lot and then they have the same story or like their take and then everyone's talking about it there's like memes going around and it's just like like kind of fun because you can all just have like a collective fuck you to whatever the situation is it's just fun to talk about yeah and you're dealing with a bunch of entitled snowboarders that are like punks no matter what you're trying to you're trying to put rules around a bunch of punks it's never going to end well for whoever's trying to put rules around a bunch of punks it's just (laughs) it's just never going to end well all right i think it's a good time to maybe hit a quick smelling salt keep things moving reed actually was told he hasn't ever hit one uh, yeah so run I through a wall oh, smelling really? salt available bombhole.com do you need a little you just pinch it just pinch it do you need some instruction oh and then put it up to your nose too late you need to hit another that is so nasty that was like three seconds it, delayed this is a strong batch jones is disappointed yeah, oh i want a fresh oh my God. hit that one was oh. disgusting oh wow that's good Disgusting's not the right word. It just wakes you up. No, that one like went to my brain. That was not good. You know, we we tried mouth hits. I've learned how to feather at this point. Uh, That's probably a good idea. Mouth hit? (laughs) I don't know. Any effect at all? Because that's going into your like digestive system. I don't know if I. We do not recommend the mouth. Jared has a body of steel. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird. Not too intense. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, my goodness. There we go. Like and there's bleeding. no value, really. Reed, was, how was your experience? Foul. Uh, I, don't, I, didn't, I don't feel like I got juiced up. I just feel like my eyes got teary. Did you hit only one, the one? Yeah. Reed, you that's need to bad do marketing. I feel like it needs <laughs> to go right. I'm sorry. Let's, let's <laughs> right it. I'm feeling great. <laughs> you know, you like, need to buy Best thing I ever did. You know what I think? You're like one of those guys that's like acupuncture doesn't work. So it doesn't work. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. It's like that's your take. If you got a pessimistic take about the salts. For sure. You know, but I think they, they keep an open mind. Man. You got to have an open mind. Yeah. yeah. I was hitting them in the yard the other day. Yard work. It was good. Yeah. I'd never experienced it there in nature, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, a nature, a nature salt. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of backing it. They're very grounding. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I do them when I'm earthing very a lot. Grounding. I take my <laughs> shoes off and put my feet in the earth, and then just mid meditation, yeah. couple deep breaths, mid meditation. Yeah, they feel very organic. Yes. No, they are actually. Yeah. Really? Just kidding. Yeah, just they're, actually, they're, they're grass they're, fed. No, we <laughs> go to the fed. we go to the salt flats and we harvest them ourselves. Yeah, we harvest sure. them in the yeah we harvest yeah. them in the Great Salt Lake. With a fishing net, <laughs> that's how we. Right. That's how we get every em. other Thursday. Thirty-five percent like alcohol. Have you ever seen the deadliest? Have you ever seen the deadliest catch? <laughs> have you ever seen the deadliest catch? Yes. That's. It's essentially our process in getting them is we get a big fishing boat and we go in the Great Salt Lake, and we cast <laughs> nets. 
Okay. Well, now we have, we have a documentary coming out about it. There's a couple of jumpy guys. <laughs> they get out. But. A couple of the guys have substance abuse problems on the crew, but, uh, you know. We're oh, right. I was talking about the, s- the smelling salts getting out of the net. but <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. You have to wait, wait for the documentary. You have to wait for the doc. Yeah. All right. Where are we? Okay, we're going to get Salt into, uh, we're going to talk about the future of media here. So uh, to start this off, Chris Erickson, uh, Patreon member, asked a ton of great questions. So we're going to give away uh, 32, what do we got, Silk? We got some goggles right here. O- some Oakley goggles. Beautiful. We got, Beautiful. We got a pair of Oakley goggles for Chris, and then I think we have We have a, a uh, Bombhole 32 collab hoodie. Yep. That you got to wear every day. That's the deal. Yep, and that's mm. available at 32.com. So we're going to send... Can't take it off. Chris, nope. thanks for the good questions. We're going to send that out to you. We'll have uh, Jules reach out to you on Patreon. And uh, he had a great... This is his first question. It's a great one. He said, What are your thoughts on the current state of snowboard media? Do you think snowboard culture is hurt by the fact that the majority of content is viewed on Instagram? Do you think snowboard media landscape needs to change Back to traditional full-length videos, question mark, more paper mags, question mark. Who wants to take this one? I think there's a, I think there's a couple of people, crews, and companies keeping it alive and investing enough time and resources into um, making something that'll hopefully last in your memory and, and, you know, stand the test of time compared to some bullshit that you see for five seconds and forget about in two seconds. Are you uh, speaking to certain brands or actual projects that are in the works or have happened that you could talk about or that Mm. you're down with that? Like you're talking like, like Vans is always doing something dope. They're invent, they're like investing a bunch of money into Mm -hmm. making stuff. And I'm still rewatching those videos all the time. Good sport. I still watch that weekly. Like I'm, I'm a full snowboard nerd for that stuff. So there's like three to six videos I'd say a year that I'll continue watching throughout the whole year and 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 for years to come. But the stuff on social media, I think, is just it's cool. But then you forget about it. Even some really dope shit that you see, you'll probably forget about in maybe a day max. But isn't that kind of the point of the social media clips? Like, isn't it basically like a um, hate like a portfolio of like b-roll clips and then once the like good shit comes out in the video then he posts it on instagram i mean it seems like how you look at it i always viewed social as that i mean that's how it came into my life i was like all right this is might be a place to put b-grade stuff but then i just hated doing b-grade stuff so i'd just do nothing but i think b-grade is like a yeah, like it's like the filler spot. Like throw your filler there. I, I think, think it's, it's a changed. good play. I think, I think it's, it's changed, changed though. Be now because it's like when I think about back in the day, we used to not even back in the day, like even just a few years ago, like we would go. But what we did this summer, we went to Hood. We make an edit. Our focus is on making the edit for YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. That's our main focus. So we're at Hood and we've got the big camera out and we're looking for the recap video. Nowadays. The, the edit is secondary. People want the phone clip. Where's the phone clip? I want I want the iPhone clip. I want the I want the the clip, the instant gratification. And and honestly, for good reason. It's probably gonna get more views. Probably more people are gonna see it. You're gonna get more fucking dopamine because you're gonna get likes and comments and all that stuff. It's more of a quick, quick hit to the the whole system. 
But you know, you thinking about these videos, I was talking to Reed yesterday, and we were we were kind of likening it to to like, all right, let's just say like, let's say you're an artist, right? And every one of your you, you do a bunch of paintings, and every time you do a painting, you put it on Instagram, right? And that's like, you know, people are giving you validation and things like that, and people are seeing it. Where whereas like, if you're if you're doing prolonged gratification, and then you have an art show, that's kind of like the video, right? Like the video comes out, you premiere it, everybody gets together. Uh, it's a community event, and everybody's coming together for a common goal. Everybody's coming together for the good of the video, not just the good of them their own self interest. And so, I think for on a multitude of levels of like community, uh, culture, uh, friendships, like I think you know, videos are are important for, on like a, a broader scale than just like uh, you know self seeking Instagram clips, which are also important. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, but let's debate some of it. Okay. Um, do we? Do you want to see more long form videos? Yeah. Because that I mean, this is what the question is. It's like there's there's a feeling that that's lacking, but you responded that it's still kind of happening, and there is a few brands, and so I'm interested. Like, how do we? convince the brands that aren't participating to participate in that because there's the value there. The ones that won't just because they're like, you know, there's, we're only going to put this money into meta rather than yeah, I this think long it's, project. I think it's probably a really hard thing to try and convince someone, some upper guy at a corporation that doesn't fully understand the industry and didn't grow up in it the effect that those videos have and it's way easier for him to invest the marketing budget into social media spend because he can see like a direct return on investment so i i don't know how you convince him but um i think it would be cool if more companies were willing to invest in i feel like that's a better way to elevate your riders and then in turn it's you're scratching each other's backs by investing the money into marketing them through these these videos that you put a lot of time into. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that's changed in the landscape is that the film companies and the film productions nowadays are like consumed up by the brands, right? So the brand sort of had bought out these independent film productions. You know, you back back in the day, you had all these independent brand like brands that yep. were making the films and then the brands would come in and pay to support all those films mm -hmm. and that's a pretty sick formula um a little harder to access now and so the the production company has to kind of come out from from the brand and so it's almost like a team video so you have to get everyone to unite so maybe it's a little more complicated i don't know i'm asking well i bet with the production video and stuff like that it's harder for the brand to support that because if it's their own video they can make sure that they're getting the cut shots their product or something so they can try and push their uh, I, I don't really know yeah yeah tell their story their brand yeah. story yeah for sure i think um like to me i noticed such an aversion of like snowboarders like yourself reed or or like our friends um in 
putting their clips or like having to post their stuff on social media. And I, I am understanding that it's because of like they want to put the money towards the longer form video project. But if the way to do that to me is being like a team player and posting your clips on Instagram and like tagging the brands in your posts or in your bio or whatever it is, like to me, I guess I just don't understand why that's why people are hating to do that so, so much. What, what like why can't there be both? What you're saying is also like if is like it's your fucking job if it's in your contract to post social shit. You get paid to snowboard. Just put it on fucking Instagram, right? Yeah, no matter what industry you're in, you got to play the game. Even if you're in finance, I'm sure you're kissing somebody's ass. Yeah. So yeah, you mean, don't always have no to kiss ass, though. You can you can play the game and play it your way. Yeah. But you need to know the rules, right? Like, I mean, the good chess player, no one else knows their game. Yeah. Because I mean, they're going to come in and, and swoop up on you. You won't even see it. And any job's going to have something that you don't like to do in it. And, like, if you can just zoom out and and really realize that you're able... Like, I know that there's so many mental and physical challenges that come with snowboarding. I'm not discounting any of that. But, like, at the end of the day, you are doing something that you love and that you're proud of. And there's a whole... There's friends around it. There's a community around it. If all you need to do... I'm not saying all you need to do. But if one of the things you need to do is just post social clips... That's going to help your team manager so much, the marketing manager. Like, it's just helping the people that are trying to help you. And I think that when, like, people just are fighting that so hard, I, I just can't really understand it also because, like, if you weren't getting paid to snowboard, you'd probably be posting your snowboarding anyway because it's something you're really good at, something that you're about, something you're proud of. And, like, mm. isn't that the point of social media? So, like, are you just fighting it because someone's telling you you have to do it and that is, like... The human brain being like, I don't, me I I don't do really it. think I'm fighting it. I feel like people realize that they got to play the game, and that's just. The, I mean, the in, way a, it in is. our circle of pro snowboarder friends that are like, there, like, it, there aren't really fucking problems. So, like, posting a clip on social media is a fucking problem. You know? Yeah, what I mean? so like the shit's a joke at the end of the day. We're yeah. just doing like all summer. You pretty much have nothing to fucking do, so you're just. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, yeah so and I mean, look. At, I, I don't think anyone's. Or I mean, people are definitely complaining, but I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I people just they're, like they're people need something sure. to complain about too. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, you look at like somebody like Jed Anderson or whatever, right? Like Jed, he has a misty vibe. He just doesn't want to pose. He wants to do his misty shit. But like, you know, then you take for example, Blake Paul. Like you said, like Blake's great at it. Blake films a great video part, and then he puts his stuff on Instagram, and he gets his. He's a great. You know, he's a great. Spot, like he does his job as a pro snowboarder very well. Arthur Longo, people like that. All right, this is a good time to take a call from our friend from the north, friend of the show, Jody Wachniak of the Airtime Podcast, the Man Boys. We got Jody on the line. Jody, what's happening? How are you? Uh, just hanging up here in the great white north and a couple of igloos, you know, playing some hockey. Love that. Uh, we are talking about uh, video parts versus Instagram and TikTok, and uh, wanted to know if you have any takes on on that, being a media guy you are these days. Oh, yeah, I got a big, I got a big take. Uh, I definitely think that uh, snowboarding will move in two different directions over the course of the next uh, little bit. It's already kind of started that way, but I think that there'll be companies that embrace the TikTok and the more followers and the analytics 
And as those companies kind of see growth and they scale, um, they'll continue down that path. But I think there will always remain um, something that's a little bit more dear to uh, to us, which is the video parts, um, photos and magazines and stuff like that, whether that's actually in a magazine in the future. I don't, I don't know, but I think that it'll move in two different directions and one of them will be respected by people like yourself and Jeremy and um, all the people who've gotten us to the stage we're in now. And then there'll be another stage that's, you know, um, maybe uh, laughed at when you're, when you're snowmobiling and you have a long day and people have been filming clips, it'll be kind of what you make fun of while you're building jumps. (laughs) (laughs) Quick question. Which, uh, which one of those two routes do you think will be more successful? Good question, Reed. That is a good question. I think, I think that like for the brand, it'll be TikTok and stuff. I think that there's just going to be people who want that number um, attached to their, to their brand. And I think that that's where you're going to have companies who aren't obsessed with year over year growth and money. I think will they'll find a lane and they'll find, um, they just need to find some sort of peace with not trying to make all of the money in the world um, and I think that there's lots of other brands that that's all they want. And I think that they'll get that through those TikTok people and they'll inspire TikTok borders and they'll have millions of followers and they'll inspire a whole generation of, um, kooks, I guess you could say, or goofs or whatever, a bunch of like weird borders out there doing it for, um, none of the reasons why I started. And then I think that there'll be still a huge group of people that are just doing it proper that want to go out there and nolly over a fence and back tail a cool ice block and you know have their back lift looking proper and you know as they get older you know maybe kind of dive into uh you know how all those things came to be and maybe watch a couple of jeremy jones parts and you know and and the cycle will continue but i think the other one will it'll kind of go bigger on tiktok i just feel like people are obsessed with um, more and more of everything these days. So I think that brands kind of are getting brainwashed into following that um, same procedure that happened with all major sports leagues one year when they all started switching from numbers. Like how many points did they get? How much time do they, uh, you know, score points when they're on the ice? If they're on the ice for the X amount of time. You so know, you're saying and they're getting Jit, you're going strictly analytics. I know um, Reed, uh, Reed's got a take. I'm yeah. sorry. That that was that was the wrong answer. Analytics. Yeah, uh, Reed, I want to hear I your think... take. I he's chomping at the bit to get on. No, this thing. no, not crazy. I was just laughing to myself saying that I I'm hoping that that's the wrong answer. And I have hope that oh, no, these I, videos I, I know I know that too, you're but... on you're on the same side. I, I know that. And you you clarified that. I just that. feel like like oh Corporate brands right now are definitely following. Um, I, I think that they'll will, it'll go full circle hopefully, but that's kind of up to the big companies right now to start dictating that now. But I uh, think when there's you go out to a place like Whistler or Mammoth these days, and you just look around at the landscape. There's not like more people than ever that are like boarders. It's like less people than ever. It's like people going snowboarding because it's their buddy's bachelor party and they want to go out and you know, 
True. Go to the bar. <laughs> a little different scene here in Utah. I feel like you got to wake up at 5.30 to get up to the mountain when it snows now, and there's people that are really into it and, and know what's up. And I'm hoping that the companies that uh, invest in that prolonged gratification and making something that lasts, I'm hope that, I hope that that creates like some brand loyalty and customers that you can't really measure on social media. And I'm hoping that those are the companies that end up being more successful. But so I guess, I guess we'll just have to oh, wait and I, see. I, I think, you, and I, I know you, you hope the you same the thing. On the head. I, I hope the same thing. And I think that snowboard companies, like the ones that are already around right now will be, um, still the biggest brands for um, the core community. I just think that there's going to be in the next five to 10 years, a lot of brands that don't exist right now. For example, like dope snow or whatever that company is like that. They've figured out a way to like get a bunch of people behind that brand that don't know anything about video parts. They don't know who Craig Kelly is. They don't know anything. It's just, just like, and they don't care to know anything and which is fine because snowboarding for everybody but I think that like companies like, you know, Vans and Volcom and whoever else in the future, um, if they continue to hire the right people, um, will be, you know, I think they'll still be in a good place. I just think there's going to be a lot of companies that nobody's ever heard of before that are going to rival companies like Burton that are full kook of the day snowboard companies. I don't, it's, it sucks to say, but like when you see companies like Dope, that have zero credibility pop up overnight and take up massive. Yeah, I don't even know what. Dope yeah, so, snow so is. for for so for you don't who doesn't know dope. From what I understand, dope is a brand that's kind of like a, a lot of the in, like Instagram TikToker like it's fueled by social media, and a lot of the people that exactly. are popular on TikTok and are popular on Instagram have formed their own brand. And they're not necessarily exactly. embraced by our like we like like you said we're we're pretty in tune with the snowboard. Uh, community, I feel we have a decent uh, view of the landscape. We don't really know where they are, but the they they have that that Instagram and TikTok market. So that's what they're they're basically exactly. uh, that's that's what that brand is to provide context. Yeah, I had no idea. I was so they just jacked Dope Industries because Dope Industries still makes boards. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, it's called yeah. Dope Snow. They yeah. make outerwear and stuff. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. And you see them in Colorado. Like you're in the lift tech, line. Kind of yeah. like another one. Yeah. But th- this is like this is an, or four brands now that are this big. is an I- interesting take. I want to get your. I have a question for you. So you know, a lot of the these um, like the point that you brought up that I thought was interesting is a lot of the consumers of this gear and the people who make this gear aren't in touch with the quote unquote core snowboard community. Like you said, don't necessarily care about Craig Kelly and the history which snowboarding is built on. They have expressed. I've seen a lot of frustration that and use the word gatekeeping that uh, they are not um, embraced with open arms. Which, in my take, I think people should do make their way however the fuck they want in this world. And if that's your lane and that's your avenue and that's how you you build the brand that you want. If you want to make dope snow, make dope snow. Fucking, I I back people going and making their dreams a reality. I think everybody should do that. If you want to do TikTok videos and fucking. Do you know and just interview weekend warriors and do people that that are are kind of like just love snowboarding for what it is and don't give a shit about the culture of it? Do that. I think I think that's the beauty of snowboarding. You can ride half pipe, you can ride slipboards, you can do whatever you want. But my go back to my original question is 
is they they've expressed a lot of frustration in not being respected amongst the snowboard community. Do you have a take as to why they should or shouldn't have the respect? Well, they yeah, they definitely don't have like my respect. It's just like I, I'm happy for them that they found something that they're stoked on and they're having a good time. But it and maybe it's just because I'm like an '80s kid. But it was kind of like. I don't know. You either show up at the skate park every day or the snowboard park every day and you're part of the club or you're kind of like not part of the club. Like, I don't know. It's just, and, that, and I know that gatekeeping is a double-edged sword. There's good sides to it and there's bad sides to it for sure. Like definitely not trying to make snowboarding. Um, you know, we want as many people to snowboard because it's, it's, I think it's great for people's mental health. I think it's great for people to get outside. It's a, an amazing way to express yourself but i mean over 25 years of watching video parts like j2 mikey leblanc danny cast there's like a certain aesthetic that i really like and appreciate in snowboarding and that comes through being a student of the game and you don't get that unless you're a student of the game it's like like it's like asking nos or like a respected rapper like if he thinks like some of this new shit sick that's coming out he's like no it's like, no, you're not a good MC. It's just like, that's just the way it is. Like, I don't hate you for rapping the way you rap, but it's just like our crew is not going to like, you know, promote that or whatever. And there's, there's two different lanes and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would like uh, as many people as possible to go out there and ride Alaska and go film street rail stuff and ride a half pipe and go out and make uh, TikTok algorithm uh, instant gratification um, content that I don't relate to or like at all. <laughs> yeah, you gotta it's gotta short. earn your seat at the table instead of chase the algorithm. That's a great that's a great perspective. Yeah, yeah, and it's like no no hate on those people either. It's like like I think Chris nailed it there by being like it's not like a diss or anything. It's just like we're we like different shit. It's just, <clears> just that. I, you know what I mean? I think the point the point being is that like. If you want to be respected in the space, you you have to kind of you have to earn a seat at the table, like Reed said. Like you gotta go do some fucking gnarly shit on your snowboard if you want to be a pro snowboarder. Like you gotta be like that's a big part of being a respected pro snowboarder is going and 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 being better than the average snowboarder. That's what makes you a professional. That's what makes you a skill set. That's what makes you respected. And doing big tricks with good style and filming videos and winning contests. Those are like the the kind of the benchmark of how we determine who makes a living in the snowboarding. And I think that sometimes that stuff's forgotten when it's like there's there's the social the social media pro that's that's just figured out the algorithm, like you said, versus like the respected pro. Like you get respect by being cool and looking good and doing good tricks on your snowboard. And if you're mediocre, you just you don't get a seat at the table for fucking being mediocre like that i'm sorry exactly. that, that's it's just simple like that's yeah it's like i, I don't know how else to put it in like, either like, lane really <laughs> yeah in right? either lane like what what threat are those guys to to someone that is a snowboarder like that like they're nothing they're actually just someone that is in the lane as kooky as you may feel that it is like it's its own it's its own beast entirely. Like they're not snowboarders, they're participants. You know, they, they play with snowboarding. Like 
they spend money on snowboarding. And so they're just introducing it to a different demographic that will never understand a long form video or even a dope like B grade social clip that you put up of three or four tricks. They're just going to be like, well, that makes no sense to me. Like it just looks like all the other stuff, you know? And so that respect is just in a different lane in the core. And that eventually like that participant might hook into something and they're going to be like, yo, I saw Cleveland, like, what's that board? And then he's going to go chase down a nitro or he's going to look at Reed and be like, yo, I saw this weird clip of some kid actually in the street. Like, seriously, dude, they were in the city, you know, and it's Reed on a handrail. And then there's this new discovery and then they'll make the choice. Am I going to be a snowboarder? And the gatekeeping thing, like, come on, dude, what are you seriously? Like, if you're a snowboarder, no one's gatekeeping anything. Like, no one's telling you you can't be here if you're a snowboarder, dude. Just show up and snowboard. Don't show up on Instagram and be like, you won't let me show up. Well, dude, (laughs) I don't even know who you are, where you live, or anything. Like, what are you even talking about? Yeah, I agree with that. Like, to me, even, like, not from, like, a pro snowboarder standpoint, from just, like, maybe someone in the industry or someone who just, like, cares, it kind of, in my opinion, comes down to, like, why you like this thing and it's like you can like it for all the reasons that we like it and that is known and recognized and that person's going to naturally gravitate towards hopefully like the positions of power or whatever it is but to me right I kind of agree where it's like maybe the TikTok border's not a threat because no they're not a threat nobody's saying they're a threat uh, just be or, well he just they, said, like, they treat it like they're a threat to us they yeah. come at us like yeah. why aren't we in why yeah, I mean that's, that's what I've issue. heard yeah. right yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. where's our acceptance and it's like dude it's it's just because we're not looking at you yeah but I still like, haven't seen you yeah like to me it just feels like there's not enough there to even like penetrate through the like to the nucleus or whatever and it just comes down to like there's so much out there to look at. People are like, have a short attention spans. Like if you think about, I don't know, all of these other influencers in other regards that are famous for like their beauty routines or whatever it is. Like no one cares about more than just like what they're watching on Instagram. So it doesn't really feel like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, I don't do. think it's going to like, hopefully yeah. not really matter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not going to take what, the money. Hopefully they're not going to take the money. What, I guess, do, you, what do you got for us, Jody? I was just going to say it's mind-blowing for them to be so naive to not realize that there's, like, companies that have spent the last, like, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years curating, like, an image and a style. And for them to be like, yeah, we're not accepted by, you know, whatever, Vans or Howl or whatever, K2 or whatever. It's like, have you, do you follow them on social? Do you see what that group is inspired by? It's like, clearly what you're doing isn't going to resonate with what that brand has kind of going on on the mood board right now and by you picking the trending song of the day over a really blue background with you strapping into your bindings it's like yeah like yeah I, i'm sorry we are going to be way more hyped on like uh a nolly bull cab over the slow sign by deadlock <laughs> and if you don't even know who that is that's the, the whole thing it's like you're just not a student mm-hmm. that was one of the issues with snowboard jesus is when there was all the X Games beef, Todd kind of chirped him, and he was like, I'm sorry, know. I don't even know who you are, to Todd Richards. And it's like, exactly. Todd, Todd is, is part of the building block of, of the, the foundation of where we are now from taking it 
to where from where it was to where it is and and I think you need to respect the the foundation which the sport was built on. I mean that's me wanting people to be a certain way. I'm putting my own expectation on it, but I think that you have to respect the the I mean we we fucking care about it. U- ultimately like we can we we love it. We well, dedicate a, our lives to it. Like being taught in Todd's per, like situation, someone comes at you like that in that position, it's like thanks for the compliment, dude. You know, like I'm glad you don't know who I am until you feel like you should know who I am and that you're invested enough that you do know who I am. Like, I don't expect you to know me unless you're a student, to Jody's point. Like, unless you're part of this game. Like, if you're in the game and you come chirping and you don't know Todd, you might need to check yourself. But Snowboard Jesus, (laughs) dude, like, what a compliment to Todd to have that dude be like, I don't know who you are. More people in it, you could talk more shit on people without shooting yourself in the foot, so that could be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> the thing, too, also, like, I've said it before on air, I'll say it again, that I think that, you know, my take has always been that TikTokers and YouTubers and people doing board review channels and the kind of, like, the the that world that you could say is super important for the person that's just finding snowboarding and finds the avenue where they're like, oh, I love snowboarding. What is this about? And then they find, and like Casey Willax, for example, I fuck with Casey Willax, dude. He's a great snowboarder. He brings so many people into the snowboarding. Like he, he's, he can do switchback nines. He's got a positive attitude. Like all everybody doing their thing is doing their thing. And, and that's, what's great about snowboarding. You should be able to do whatever you want, but just don't be mad when, brands aren't fucking with you because just just don't be mad if brands aren't fucking with you because of just keep doing your thing you know Casey's what I mean? a good perfect example dude yeah. like that's someone that's doing it on the fence like he's he's a snowboarder he's good at it mm-hmm. and he's an influencer and he doesn't he doesn't kook out like he does his thing whether you are backing it or not but the dude acts like he's a snowboarder he loves it. He loves it, and he and he and he respects it. And I think that's like the perfect blend right there. If you're gonna like dance with both of them, Jody. Yeah, find your lane and then stay in that lane. All right, I got one more topic here, Jody. While we got you on the line, we had a great question from Bo Brown about brands. This is kind of in the industry talk portion of the show here. So Bo asked, "I've always thought that in order for snowboard brands." To really make it, they would have to break through to the mainstream. Surfing has brands like Billabong, Quicksilver, Hurley, etc. Skating has Vans, DC, and others. People who don't skate or surf buy these brands because they relate to the culture. And that's what makes them so successful and be able to give back to their sport. Do you agree? And why has snowboard's brand, no snowboard brand ever been able to do this? You got a take on that, Jody? Well... Well, there's definitely been some brands that have done it. Like, I mean, obviously, a, just a simple example would be like Burton. Like, you go anywhere, anywhere, especially in Canada. It's like, you don't snow. Like, a lot of my hockey friends that have never strapped into a snowboard buy Burton product. But, yeah, I think that there's uh yeah, I don't know bringing it back to that whole social media thing, I think that there's, uh, 
some brands that are going to be able to build off of doing things um, like community events, um, like natural selection, bomb hole events, and the Baker Bank, and all those events that kind of structure a community around that brand. And yeah, people from the sidelines want to buy into that brand. Um, I don't really get how to. Yeah, I don't really know. It's like there's been a lot of companies that have branched out. Like, look at Nomis was another great example of a company that blew up and people were buying all over the place. But maybe back to what we were talking about earlier, that scaling and growth maybe isn't always the best answer for snowboard companies. And maybe snowboard companies should just be happy being snowboard companies. And, I mean, when you look at the companies like like you mentioned, Billabong, Quicksilver, DC, Roxy, like huge snowboard companies. But if you look at what they're going through as of late with uh, Jamie Salter picking up those brands, you're, you know, a lot of those people are already out of jobs. And it's like, do we want to kind of stay on this, um, always have to grow year over year? And if we don't, we have to fire the whole marketing team, the team managers, everybody's got to go. We got a clean house and all in the name of, making 10% every single year. It's like, I've always kind of looked at like, once you build a snowboard brand, that's pretty sick. Why don't you just be happy with being able to weather the storms and you're just a part of the community more than having to be this massive snowboard company that everybody who doesn't snowboard buys into. Like maybe if people didn't need to always make more money, the snowboard companies would be, you know, healthier and, I think that would maybe even be a, a better landscape. That That's kind of what I'm seeing. It's talking, actually, bringing it back to what you were saying earlier, Todd Richards, I was talking to him the other day about a bunch of the brands that are being bought and sold over the last 10 years, and he had a really interesting take, too. Like, yeah, maybe we don't always need to scale these brands so we're not kind of stuck in this rat race that doesn't seem to be working super well because, yeah, some people are making more money than ever, at these brands, but if I look at the AMs on the come up right now, it looks like people are making less money than ever. Can that's I a drop great in take. A little? Get in there, Jody. Yeah, yeah. That, that, thanks, Jody. That's amazing. Um, just to kind of keep going with it, I think throwing a little business in there, like what companies are spending money on snowboarders and you know, you have companies that have been around forever, K2, um, Ride, Solomon, like ski-based companies, right? But they've been in the industry. They've supported different versions, smaller brands, jump-off things, and and they've been fairly stable. But they're not snowboarders that are running this. So, And where does all their money get spent? Like, you break down what that dollar is on, like, a board build. There's not a ton, a ton of profit in board, right? So you you strip down, like, the reason the prices are what they are is because you've moved through all these different people and paid them to get that thing there. How many of those people are snowboarders? And, and like, how much of our money is getting leaked out? And you think of these brands in serve to the, to the question from, was his name, Bo? It, you know, those brands likely had a bunch of surfers in the warehouse. Originally, it started right there, you know, in California, on the beach, and they grew like that. 
Look at Burton. Like, they're still privately owned. That's a snowboarder-owned company from the start. And so naturally that that lane is like, all right, I want to spend money on snowboarders. Let's open our factory, our U.S. factory in Vermont, and let's employ as many Vermont locals as we can, you know. And this is a snowboard company paying snowboarders and employing snowboarders, putting money back into snowboarding. I would say, you know, there's a few other brands that are doing that. Look at Public on the smaller scale right now. Stepchild was running that game for a bit there. And on and on, there's a few. Nitro. Nitro's found huge success in that. Still private. They just know how, to Jody's point, like, they've just learned this scale. Like, all right, we just had a really good year. Let's put some stuff in reserves because we know that this cycle goes up exactly. and down. So they tuck some away and they're able to manage and keep doing it. Like no one there is getting super greedy because they understand the owners understand themselves, the margins that are there, how much money, uh, uh, and they actually care about writers a lot of the time. I know they go through, I don't need to defend Burton on this. I would on nitro much more because I've seen, the way their loyalty to riders is insane. They carve out as much money as possible for snowboarders. And they run it pretty lean because they have so many. But that's their move. Like, let's let's just give people opportunity. And they try to put it back into snowboarding. So I think that's a good thing to kind of understand and ask. Like, a lot of our snowboard money is bleeding out. And... And if you just follow the train and follow like the line of every spin, like there's ways that we can like tuck it back into the boundaries of like a snowboarder doing the thing and putting that money back in. And I think, you know, we're all here because we love it. We're ultimately like there's not many snowboard brands that have gone and sold and just like no one's here. Like if you're here for a quick buck or like a, a few few mil like it's not gonna happen you know you're here because you want it and you're stoked if you get a good salary and then the fight for an am to a pro like that never paid well dude like it never paid good it never paid good until it did and that's the thing and then it and then when it doesn't it doesn't anymore and that's just like i mean i'd pay cuts for 12 years straight filming the my video parts constantly got better and better i got older and older and my paycheck went smaller and smaller every single contract every single year you know so no one's immune to it you just have your moment how'd you position yourself great rant jeremy thanks yeah, was, was that good. too long no, no you just good. hit yeah. some great points i think that was you know, really that was awesome it. that was incredible was like keep going yeah no and and i'd love to your point it's like the the thing that that there's two sides to it that i want to get into but i think ultimately snowboarding and its culture of people that really care about it, it's small it, it's a small like if you look at the views on the biggest videos that we do and the views on you know, followers of our top pros and followers of our average pros compared to a pro golfer, an F1 racer, uh, a pro basketball player, like w even a pro skateboarder. We're, we're like, it's like you have like, 
you know, you got like motocross and then, you know, below that you got like skateboarding and surfing and then like way below that, like snowboarding's even smaller. We're way down. We're, we're, we're down at the bottom in terms of like, it is a small community in terms of like, you know, it, it only happens where there's places that have snow geographically so that you're limited there. Uh, but inversely, Reed brought up a really good point up yesterday. That's a fun one to debate is, you know, you're talking about how you go to the mountains. There's more people than ever. Oh yeah, I don't. I that's the companies are saying that their budgets are getting smaller and smaller. But I go into Milo in January and they're sold out of all their boards, boots, and bindings. And I go, and I wake up at six to go to uh, Brighton, and I can't even make it in the lot because the lot's already full. Uh, just uh, seems like a lot of people are getting into it. So that's a. That's why I think I think the money the money's leaking out. That's what I'm seeing. Like I'm seeing the holes of all these spends, and we're not spending it in snowboarding. Like it's it's literally just holes in this thing. And every time we try to pour it up, it just sort of drains out. And that's the writers' contracts. That's marketing budgets. It just seems to be like something that we need to plug up. And like those in the industry need to kind of find those leaks up to them they have to see them identify them and make those moves it's hard in a big company it's hard in a small company to like even a small nimble company to switch manufacturers or something like that because they see a a better support for snowboarders that's a move and it costs a little bit of money and it'll pay off in the long run but they need to have that vision right and for sure i mean you're totally right it's yeah it's hard it's a hard maybe it's just like smaller margins now or something here's my take i, I mean my, my take, never been if, good if you're looking at yourself as a if you're not like yourself up and coming amateur snowboarder should be pro hopefully it happens sooner than later <laughs> it's gotta am. happen global yeah. am bullshit you're not pro wait but is reed still am reed's technically <laughs> yeah, global and am, i'm actually want to call some bullshit on that like straight <laughs> oh, up no it's fine no, I, no. you gotta earn your seat but, at the but, table like, you, maybe maybe reed is fine with it but i'm just gonna call like whoever invented global am that's like uh the ambassador like what even is that just a new pay tier. It's Dude, like it's make like the kid o- pro. it should just be called almost pro. Yeah, almost pro. You're just a way of just, not you're like just about there. You're just about there, but pro. Just level up your uh, dude, man. So so what? I'm gonna blame Burton for like a hundred different categories for the team. I respect like, that. That was insane growing up. Like, yeah, fair enough. Pro, global pro, super world world pro. You're like, what the fuck? Flow a B team. team, flow B team, flow uh, C I got, team. I got one take on this, and I've said it before. I'm gonna say it again, but the my take if you're if you're an up and coming snowboarder and and the talent pool is so saturated, there's so many good fucking snowboarders. Yeah, everyone's that, so that, that it's simply when Jeremy was on the 408, there really wasn't that big of a pool. Not to discredit anything that that Jeremy did, but uh, what I'm saying is that like you know the money I'm sure was good you know back then, and and I think that the pool of talented riders was a lot smaller. So so there's only, you know, instead of there there's 50 total riders in the world that are that are like worthy of, you know, being pro or whatever. Now it's like there's 50 in every fucking state. You know, there's incredible snowboarders everywhere you look. So you have this same size marketing budget, but you got twice as many mouths to feed, and I think that's where it gets hard to make a living as a snowboarder now. That's my take. I um, also think like And then you're the kid, you're like sorry, jump in there. 
Um, well, my point is just going back to Bo's question and product-wise and, like, what you were saying, Chris, about how it's small. Like, I was just thinking, like, with surfing, people, doesn't really matter who you are, where you live, you, like, need a bathing suit. Skating, you need to buy shoes. Like, snowboarding just feels a little different in that regard. Like, the products that we're selling are much more specific, and, like, that's where it's it doesn't reach the main a lot higher barrier to entry with Good point. lift mm -hmm. tickets and all the gear that you need compared to needing one surfboard and a, a board shorts or a skateboard. That's it's distracting to look at. Yeah. You got to pull your mic closer. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Should quiet. I re-say it? No, we could hear you, but oh, just okay. for the future, just my keep bad. your mic, my keep bad. the mic close. Jody, Killer. go ahead. Jody, you got any other uh, takes on this? Oh. oh, I got so many takes on like just the whole conversation we're having. Get in there. In general, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Back to, like, if I drag it back to, like, the social media thing, because I feel like this, that's kind of, like, a part of this whole conversation. Like, where are the dollars going and stuff? It's, like, really sad, because it's, like, the whole, when I was a kid, it was all about the ancient uh, motto was, let your riding speak for itself. And mm -hmm. I think that was, like, that was it. Like when I was a kid, it was like the go big or go home era. That was like a part of it, which is kind of stupid because you don't have to go big and go home. Like maybe you just want to do cool, like butters on the ground, which is dope. But um, let your riding speak for itself. Like if you're a kid now, like that would eat you alive to live by that. You go on the hill and you're busting every day and you are like stand out the best, but you don't have like you're an introvert. So you don't run like a super active social media account. Brands follow you and you only have like 900 followers, which like a lot of kids in Whistler. Um, a lot of my favorite boarders are massively introverted up here in the, the sea to sky area, Seymour, Whistler not big followers, but are like some of the most talented snowboarders I've ever ridden with. And they can't get anything. And it's like that whole phrase of like, let your riding speak for itself is just dissipating. And it's, uh, it's sad because when I look at my favorite snowboarders of all time, especially right now, when you look at like Arthur Longo, Keegan Baleka, Boris Bailey, Cole Navin, Scott Brown, like the list goes on and on of people who are, lean towards the introverted side they don't want to be running an active social media account 24 7 you know what i mean and now that you don't do that you can't have you know you can't be on the bench like that's that's tough so it's like as a brand what i would like to see if um there's some people listening that uh run companies is try not to overlook the introverted kids that rip and as a brand Put it on your shoulders to like, you know, hoist that kid up and give them give them the shiny desserts because there's a lot of kids right now that are just falling through the cracks because they don't want to play the social media game full on. We all understand, and I think I jumped in on the conversation when you guys were kind of wrapping up there, but that it's important and you should at least be active. But I think it should be I think more weight should fall on the brand shoulders to help um, market you know, your team rather than the individual market themselves. Okay. Awesome. I love that. One thing we didn't get into that's an interesting topic is 
the snowboard media landscape and in regards to like where we at media wise, not in terms of TikTok and Instagram, but like in regards to paper magazines and and things like that. Like, where do you see the future of the snowboarding media heading? Is this to me? Yeah, I'm asking <laughs> you, Jody. I mean, I have I have my take. I'll just chime in real oh, quick. Oh man, where the media is headed? Um, that one's tough because. I would love to say that magazines and social media aren't going to um, take over, but if I, I listen to a lot of tech podcasts, I really like Lexi Friedman and those kind of um, podcasts. So I was actually oh, not too long ago listening to an episode with somebody who's worked in uh, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And they were just saying how in the last, um, I think, nine months the social media industry has gone up like 70 billion dollars it's almost a 300 billion dollar industry now so with that much money behind social media like the most money that's been behind anything since the industrial revolution i just can't see phones getting less addictive i feel like people are going to be on the more and more and we all want to be on them less and less but if the device becomes stronger than um you know the human's willpower then it's like yeah then people like tiktok orders will prevail and brands will still have to make the priority to be on your phones even more and so do i feel there's going to be a great spot for magazines i don't know magazines are like a thing where you actually have to set aside some time to actually like read something but i feel like people are their dopamine spikes are off of instant gratification and i feel like that's where social media is super damaging to a thing like a snowboard magazine but hopefully people and the snowboard industry as a whole doesn't really overlook like the importance of human connection and if i just kind of drop it into a more serious note just like how like so many people right now are like depressed and it's not a low number like, I think year over year, it's, like, increasing by, like, 40% or something like that. And I think events like uh, like the bomb hole has been doing are, like, so important to having a strong snowboard community. And I really hope the industry doesn't overlook things like that. Like, even natural selection, going to Alaska with them, and they're going to schools and meeting kids and shaking hands. And I just think that human connection is like more important than ever for like us as like humans and for just a healthy snowboard community. And to be clear, what you're also saying is that digital human connections not, doesn't count. Yeah. Digital is like, it's just like the world on digital is like, it's not real. It's like, and I think that it's becoming more evident that like spending more and more time on our phones, isn't the answer I, I just don't think is the answer you know you watch a snowboard video that comes out on your phone you tilt it sideways and you sit on the couch and you watch the new whatever the new mountain mountain movie the new dust box movie like put it on your tv call a couple friends over like that's how you should premiere that thing or go to the actual premiere if you're close enough like that experience is gonna yeah i don't know last way longer than anything you're going to watch on your phone. Like I've probably spent what two hours a day on my phone, let's say maybe 
you know, you do that every day for, I don't know, 365 days a year. What is that? Probably like 30 days of my life gone a year, just scrolling on Instagram and all of that is snowboard content for the most part. And the vast majority, it doesn't sink in. But when I watch a video like on a TV with some homies and we talk about the clips after and stuff, it's like, it just resonates and just like stays in my brain way longer. And that turns out to be like those special clips, like Jeremy's back 50 and Chulk's smack or whatever. You just like remember them, you know? And so, yeah, I, I hope that we can refrain from spending the majority of our time on our phones. But like I said, with the industry only getting more and more billions behind it, it's like, it's a slippery slope. So you have to educate people that going to community events are super important and just know that, like, you know, spending more and more time on your phone um, isn't great. It would be amazing to have a filter so you're just following your friends and that's it. But with, like, the whatever it's called, like, friends of friends, like, if you go into, like, the news feeds, you just get trapped in there. And then before you know it, you're in there for, for too long. And I don't know. I think that's just damaging on a lot of levels. <laughs> Maybe it gets so saturated, though, that people just get over it and some sort of light switch flips and then they're back to waiting for the good shit. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, if like the even the TikTok border, the further we go towards that, I feel like there will be a whole group of people who just naturally reject that. And it's like you go back to the table book, the 16 millimeter, like the premieres with your friends. And that's sort of like. The nucleus of like hopefully the community. It's a great take. Yeah, it's an well, awesome. Well, I think that on that's a fucking really tip. Average things people. do go full circle, so that would be really cool to see it actually kind of dissipate rather than keep increasing. Mm-hmm. I think on average we, as a population, we just follow things, right? But we all know because this is our industry, and why we get accused of gatekeeping is we don't. Like, we don't just follow everything everyone does. Like, there is, our whole culture opposes so many things that are common in society. And that's what makes us feel a part of this because we have a culture and a group of people that we don't even know. I can feel them have my back when I'm going to bat it in some corporate meeting as a snowboarder. I'm like, I got the fucking industry on my back. Like, I might not get this money and you might, like, stifle my shit, but you don't have this. And it doesn't feel this dope, what you have. They, they have money. That I mean, that feels really dope to a lot of people, including myself, but not the, not the like, over the passion, right? I love it. Good stuff. Uh, great takes on everything. Jody, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate you guys. Everybody that's listening, be sure to check out Airtime Podcast. If you're looking for another snowboard podcast, that's Jody's. So, Jody, uh, we're going to let you go, but thanks for, for coming on. We appreciate you. Thanks, Jody. See you, brother. Yeah, no worries. You guys all fucking, yeah, you guys rule. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, all the best, all the health and happiness to you, legend. See you later. Thanks for what you're doing. Keep it up. Appreciate you, brother. Cool. And uh, back to back to the just one last before we wrap up too. you know, it's like the magazine. The thing that is just so great as a snowboarder is like when you get a magazine and you open it and you see the picture like it, it's just it just hits so much better than than on a little screen. And one thing I just kind of wanted to say is with the, the media landscape, I, I personally consume 
I learn through the things that I'm interested in through podcasts. And I think that I see, you know, uh, podcasts being a, a kind of a landscape media change in snowboarding where like shows like this, what we're trying to accomplish is similar to a magazine, right? Like we're trying to talk about topics within snowboarding, news, things that are relatable. And instead of digesting it by reading through a magazine, you can listen to it in your headphones on a walk or whatever, you know, or while you're working. So that's kind of the direction at least we're going from the bomb hole is, is like giving you, we have our biographical podcast where we interview a guest for long format. And then this is going to be more of our current events podcast, you know? So just to kind of let everybody know what's going on with that. We have Woodward Park City up here in Utah. It's 15 minutes away from Salt Lake City. And they got everything from beginners to top pros. They got big jumps. They got small jumps. They got a bunny hill to learn how to ride. They got mountain biking in the summer. They got parkour. If you want to go learn how to do flips into foam pits, uh, they got the kicker into the foam pit. If you want to learn fakie front flips, uh, really great place to go all the way from beginner all the way to, you know, as, as good as you want to be on a snowboard BMX bike, mountain bike, skateboard, you know, it's just a great facility for the next generation. So if you're in Salt Lake, be sure to check out Woodward up at Park City. All right. What a good show it's been so far. A lot of, a lot of good topics. You know, I hope we're not too negative because I feel like there's so much good stuff happening in snowboarding. Like I think snowboarding's in a really great place in terms of just the riders and there's so many cool brands and, and things are, are, and snowboarding, the culture feels strong. So like, I hope, you know, we are emphasizing on like issues right now, but I just kind of want to go on record saying like, I think snowboarding fucking kicks ass and we're killing it. Thanks, know? Chris. I agree with you. I fully agree too. Yeah. Bunch of dope videos coming out. Yeah. The people in it are, I mean, the community just even here in Salt Lake, like hanging all at Kale's house on Saturday mm. was insane. Everyone's, no one's really causing any problems. It was, it was a blast. Totally. And I think we're just, we reached out to, to our audience and we asked them, you know, what do they think? Uh, what are they interested in hearing us talk about? And these are some of the topics that were, were fun. So we're going to get into um, kind of an accessibility topic here. We have a Patreon question from Alexander Crump. He says, I'm a bit of an old head. In high school, my friends and I were able to work minimum wage jobs in order to afford passes and gear. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. The price of lift tickets is particularly ridiculous. With the current prices of lift tickets, how do we make snowboarding more accessible? Who wants to take this one? I can say one quick thing. Yeah, get I think there. there's like a few like diamonds in the rough like uh in montreal the dylan ojo park that's put on by vans is free to hike yeah i think there's maybe red's backyard has a couple setups that are free to hike mm -hmm. if you go to minnesota and you want to ride the ropes it's like a 20 dollar lift ticket at night or something along those lines so i think there are a couple couple diamonds in the rough but i definitely agree for the most part it's extremely unaffordable yeah. chairlift snowboarding particularly yeah yeah you have to take a from Utah, it's a cheaper trip to fly, pay for the lift ticket, fly to Minnesota, spend a week riding rope, fly home, then just go to a weekend up at the resort. So it's a harsh truth, but there is a workaround if, like, you want this, you know, but that doesn't take away from the obvious, like, it's crazy expensive. And, and then there's the, you know, there's uh, people are very passionate about, um, you know, the, the passes like icon pass and Epic pass and these kind of bundle passes that are 
making the resorts more crowded, but it's, it definitely is a bit of a, a double-edged sword because, yes, the mountains are more crowded, but it, they do make the lift tickets more affordable, right? Where I think, I don't know, know the exact metric of it, but it's what, over $200 for a lift ticket a lot of places. And you can get a two- or three-day pass, you know, for that same price from Icon or whatever. They have baseline models, and and I'm not saying, you know, I'm just kind of trying to be a little bit more objective in this thing. And so, uh, I mean, I don't have any of the answers. It is ridiculously fucking expensive. There's no way, really other way to sugarcoat that. Yeah, I mean, I think in the end there's... Yeah, now if you want it, you just got to find your lane that's affordable, you know, whether it's, you know, this, he's talking about their, they would work minimum wage jobs. Um, I mean, there's ways to get passes. You, you know, there's probably trail crews out there. You could probably get a, jobs at resorts, um, work all summer, no pay, but you might get a season pass out of it, you know. Um, people might still be doing that. I think there's there's ways to navigate it. Post up at the candy machines was a, was a go-to for me um mowing lawns you know just like neighborhood hustles and things like that like this was 50 bucks felt expensive that was still way more than I ever had and I had to come up with that from Monday to Friday so I feel like the in scale the process is still the same it feels like it's a lot but the process is really kind of still the same sometimes there's also like a group things you can kind of find like mm. i know bt bounds does or beyond the boundaries does like their whole thing is going to resorts and bringing girls who haven't snowboarded before and like teaching them and i believe they have like discounted lift tickets if you sign up for their program and stuff like that so there are things out there and also when you guys were talking about the icon pass yesterday i just want to like interject this because i didn't know i was like well that's only relevant if you're someone who's committed to getting a season pass whereas like people want to maybe learn and like aren't down to spend two hundred dollars on a day ticket but you guys informed me that there are like three-day bundled tickets and four-day bundled tickets and stuff on icon and epic and stuff that are uh make it cheaper make it cheaper so that's mm -hmm. always an option and schools i think high schools um probably even elementary schools now are offering programs that you can hop on the bus one day a week and get up to the resort and might be like a 10 pack or a five pack that your parents will have to kick in and help you, you know, get at the start of the school season. But that's a good program too, to get at least cheaper um, tickets and rides up to the resort, you know? So look into that maybe. Um, yeah, definitely click around and see if there's some sort of student ID discount. I remember mm -hmm. I got a pass from Brighton once for 500 bucks when I was younger because I had a high school ID, so. Yeah. And then there's obviously, you know, like th there's no I we don't have the answers on this show. It's expensive. That's one of the hurdles of snowboarding. The gear's expensive. The whole fucking thing's expensive. The going is expensive. It's it's a sport that unfortunately requires means, but thinking back to when I was a kid and you guys might be the same, but I grew up in Massachusetts. It snowed in the winter. I grew up for my first 3 years was just going to a golf course with the black snow and building the kicker and trying 360s and 540s and and then building like I had some shitty rail in my backyard I didn't even go to the resort my first three years of snowboarding because I just go shovel some pile of shit jump you know these <laughs> things thinking back like we didn't know what we we're doing but you're you know if, 
you could Didn't still learn it. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing grabs and stuff, and you're like, this is fucking awesome. So I think that if you, you know, if you want it bad enough, uh, if you have the equipment, you know, hiking around isn't a bad idea on the, even if at a golf course on a small mm. level. You PVC know? tube on the ground, element yeah. flat bar. Yep. Also Sugar like House Park, Dope Hill. Like also chill foundation and all that mm, stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I remember uh, I was listening to this interview once in like Snowboarder Mag or something. There's these two kids who worked at the Burton store and they were part of the chill foundation and you just said like want it bad enough. And I remember these kids would like, they lived in New York City and they would take the bus to like the, like a five hour bus ride to whatever the mountain was at like four o'clock in the morning, snowboard all day. Like, get back on the bus stop, walk 20 minutes, take an Uber, take another bus to their house. Like, just, like, there's ways to do it. You just need to really want it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's there's pros. I mean, I won't give away too much, but interviewed one, you know, on this this podcast recently that you'll find out. And that they, the whole initiative is to make more affordable product. And so there's pros out there that care, too, and that are trying to do communicate that to the brands that they're with and say, let's, let's get stuff that I ride. That's just a little more affordable. And so just so the world of snowboarding knows, it seems like people are trying just the more ideas, the better, um, the more we can have, the more we can kick around and see what works and doesn't and that people can try. And if you're chirping at your brands, I mean, even if you're not affiliated and you just, you're just a fan, like, I mean, Bombhole gets chirped out all the time with with the opinions of the Patreons and the and the followers. You know, um, same thing. If you're loyal to someone, like they kind of want to hear your feedback. As long as you're not a dingus, like you can give some good feedback, and it'll be heard. Whether it's applied all the time is a different mm-hmm. story, but it'll be heard if you, again, don't come in like a dingus. Mm-hmm. You know, in in a uh, what's the word like a perfect world, which, you know, we're getting into utopian stuff here, but I think that, mm-hmm. that one thing that would be cool and I'm doing nothing to fucking change this. So <laughs> just, just let me just yell into a void real quick. But like, I have the funnest time snowboarding. Some of the funnest times of my life have been at Highland Hills on a 200 foot vertical hill on a fast rope toe. And it's like, I think that in snowboarding, we we overthink it to where it's like it's got to be this big, like there's got to be like high speed quads and gondolas and all this shit. And it's like I don't believe that to be true. I would prefer a soft, hard like groomer day in the you know in the sun with a good rope toe and a good group of buds and some a few rails and a little kicker over fucking 95% of pow days if it's like if it's the right setup and you, you don't need that much. So I think personally, again, grain of salt, I'm not doing a fucking thing to change it. I do have this setup at my cabin which is, you know, I'm super lucky to to be able to do this, but like I I personally have just as much fun on a rope toe and 200 foot vertical hill and a few rails and I and I do. So I would love to see point being a trend towards maybe cities being like Let's just make a little small, affordable area over here. You know, great idea. Yeah, I think that's sick. Also, like that in that in that regard, if there's a free park and stuff, there's people that are putting in free labor to upkeep it. Not necessarily if it's funded by the Not city. Always. 
Yeah, um, like if it's a city park, then you're going to have city park employees employed by tax dollars to mm-hmm, do it. That's what okay. happens in some places. But but I also mean, you can set up a park at a resort, like like uh, to Reed's point, Red's Backyard. Like there's there's a concept there that they have that open and it's free, like in Copper, it's free to ride that zone. You just have to sign a waiver. And Copper is not a cheap place to go snowboard. But they pay to have it maintained. They pay the the park crew to maintain that space. And last I heard, you sign a waiver and you can ride that zone, which is just a little like street setup essentially and boxes, and you can ride it for free every single day. And that's again one of the more expensive resorts, and they're offering that up. So there's there's little things you can find. Just kind of get on the hunt. It's not getting cheaper. I don't know what the solve for that ultimately is it's going to be convincing ceos to you know hand over some of their margins that ain't happening that ain't happening no (laughs) but one thing we did you know forgot to mention too is like even woodward if you take for example here in woodward park city what is it 120 for the month for a pass ridiculously cheap so so you think about a day ticket at like park city mountain resort is like 200 bucks you can get a monthly membership to woodward for a buck 20 you can go snowboard 30 days out of the month, and you can jump on fucking trampolines. You know, you break that down per day. I'm not a math magician, but it's fucking cheap comparatively. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Especially if you're using it. If you're using it, it makes a lot of sense. So I guess I, guess I, I didn't really think about this, but you got to kind of give with Red's Backyard. Like Woodward is, is part trending in a good direction with that type of stuff. And, I mean, they're owned by Powder Corp, which is, is a it, – so it's a, there's kind of contradictory to the stuff that we were talking about yeah. with the margins and stuff. I like, mean, that's as C-suite as it gets, and yeah. they're still, you know, pushing one lane that can help you get into snowboarding cheaper. It's kind of dope. All right, I got a question here. This is a question from Board Progression, one of our Patreon members here. Uh, interesting topic. So uh, would love to hear some thoughts on the newly announced Deer Valley Expansion in parentheses, Mayflower, and still excluding snowboarders in this day and age, along with Alta and Mad River Glen. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have too many thoughts about it, honestly. I, I don't really care to go and ride those places with those crust balls that are just going to be complaining the whole time and probably yelling at you and whatnot. So it doesn't really grind my gears at all. Jules? Yeah, I kind of think, like, if that's what they want, let them have it. It it doesn't feel like it's that good for business. Like, I was imagining if we open four mountains that are snowboard-specific and we all spread out between those four mountains, like, you're just kind of missing out on an entire, like, demographic of people that could come to your mountains. Like, I get it with one or two because all the skiers will go there. It's, like, more appealing to them, but if there's a bunch... I can't imagine that that would be good for business. Business 101 from Jules. <laughs> like, I have no idea, like, but like... <laughs> duh. Like, it's, it, you're, you're totally on point. Um, I don't have an opinion. I don't care. Like, do your thing. I don't really want to be there anyway, um, especially with that attitude. You know, like, if you're going to, in this day and age, frame a certain group, literally one group, out of your business plan, that's the only group that you're saying you can't come here and do this. I mean, kudos to you for like standing by your thing, I guess, but it seems crazy that 
Jamie Lynn's graphics will get taken off a board, but that society will let that go and not chirp at it and be like, shame those brands, you know? I think it's interesting. I don't care. I'm never going to shame him other than what I'm saying right now and just kind of talking some crap. I just, I think that the, you know, to your point, Jules, if they want to do it and that's your lane and that's what you want to represent, that kind of hate and ignorance, then it's all you, dude. You know what I love? I'm going to let me jump in here for a sec. Like the thing, the reason why I love it is because, and maybe this is unhealthy for my own mental state, (laughs) but I love it in one way. I don't want this taken from me because it's fun for me. Is that when I'm driving, we live in Utah, a lot of people have Alta stickers on their car. And when I see a guy in front of me with an Alta sticker, I'm like, oh, this guy's a fucking douchebag. And I like that. I I like being like, oh, this guy in front of me is a fucking douche. Nice to know. You know what I mean? Like I see a deer valley. Oh, oh, that guy's a fucking douchebag. (laughs) And like, you know, if they open it to snowboards, that's taken from me. I want to, you know, that's fun for me to just like judge somebody because I think they're a douche. I kind of think uh, this is maybe going to piss people off. But like when I think it's funny when people get really mad about it and liken it to like oppression or racism or sexism. It's like, no, you're just a like a white guy. Not everyone is. Maybe this person's just a white guy that chose to be a snowboarder and you have nothing else to like get mad about i don't know just like totally. yeah, the difference Relax. is we chose to snowboard and they didn't choose to yeah, yeah. it's be okay a part of a different group <laughs> right. yeah. thank Good you point. Silk. Silk. i think that yeah you got you two just nailed Let's that silk, silk wants to go yeah well i thought it was interesting that all of us didn't really give a shit about like skier only resorts and i feel like it's because when you're a snowboarder you're a part of this like community that is so like counter culture that like if they're not going to allow us to be there like good like that's you're you're barking up the right tree we're the people that you're supposed to do that to like thank you it makes sense Mm -hmm. that none of us care great take silk dude (laughs) great fucking take leave it to silk and and we still get to just be like oh this guy's a douchebag and that's not taken from us either (laughs) yeah what's up with the the parking to ride like the public lands next to all that you have to pay for though that that's pretty lame it's like uh, oh, you got to go, go, you gotta yeah. go on the app and pay for parking up there now. Yeah, okay. it's just just same like thing. Like to but it's not even yeah, to, to ride Alta. No way. No, no, it's just Alta as a city, just oh, getting it's getting not revenue the ski from there. The town, yeah, oh, it's okay. municipal the town, payment. The town oh, okay. wants the money for that, and Alta the resort has obviously mad influence in there politically, so okay. you get a paid parking lot. I will say, I have uh, allegedly, hypothetically, maybe or maybe not. <laughs> Uh, snowmobiled around Alta like after they've closed and there's some fucking terrain there. Really good terrain. Oh my for sure. god. But you know, we don't really whatever. You know, we might not ever be able to ride it. <laughs> if you want to ride it, hike it preseason, hike it at the end of the season. Like there's good stuff. We used to I learned a lot of tricks at Alta hiking mm-hmm. it preseason mm-hmm. with JP. So whatever. Still ride it. And I, didn't they do those barrier to entry things at Alta? Like, in the summer, like, a couple summers ago? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, they did one where you had to hike way up, and they set up some <laughs> rails or something, like, Holes and all those guys. Yeah. Mm. Mm. After the season. Yeah, I was yeah. in, like... That's kind of Have you guys yeah. ever seen the video on YouTube of all the people in the parking lot at Alta, and some guy's like, hey, will you sign a petition to allow snowboarders to ride here? And then seeing the reaction from the Alta locals. No, I haven't seen it. It's fucking crazy, dude. It they, it's, it's deep, deep hate. Like, they, they truly, hate. 
like to their core hate snowboarders, which that's is fucking, so dope. It's but awesome. Yeah, it is. It's but awesome. They be, had go ahead. Yeah, no, you'd watch it and you're good. You your fucking hair will stand up because you're like these people are fucking shitty, man. Like you don't want to go around them when you hear yeah. it. And they had, I want to say it was late '80s, early '90s. In their brochure for Alta, you could, in asterisks, we had one for a court thing. This lawyer was hitting me up one time trying to, like, press this against Alta, always trying to sue him. So he'd always send me different information, and I never participated, but I did get to see some of the information. There was a pamphlet, like the Alta pamphlet, asterisk at the bottom. If you see a snowboarder on this mountain, you can physically remove them from the mountain. So they were they were offering that up to their customers in their brochure at one point. So it's deep. Like, they don't like us. And so know that and play with it, you know? Have fun with it or don't. But you won't change it. All right, we're going to keep the show going. Uh, we're going to take a call from a friend of the show, a uh, pretty recent guest. We got Cuban Lou on the line. Cuban Lou, what's happening, brother? What's the vibe, big dog? What's the vibe? Where are you at these days? I'm in the backyard right now. I'm not going to lie. I got a doobie in the hand. Sun's beaming on my face. I'm enjoying life. Whoo! Is that in, uh, you in Tahoe? No, I'm in Sac. We were in this weekend enjoying some, some rain, some Labor Day rain. But now we're back in Sac, just grinding away. Amazing. Well, I wanted to uh, hit you up because I think it was a while ago now. But um, I saw earlier in the summer you guys had the Halo Halo event uh, with Snowboy up at Hood. I want to. I would love to hear you talk about that event. It looked like a good time. Yeah, dog. It was. It was actually super dope. We had maybe sixty to eighty people on hill, maybe even a little more. Um, black, brown, Asian, just a, a plethora of colored people, and Crush did a crazy job. You know, bringing it all together. Just doing his crush thing and, and snowboy being just awesome in the game um yeah we had freaking zeb out there lj brolin rob we had a lot of homies out there and it was just a a good time it's like going snowboarding any other day just with a bunch of people who look like you and the vibe was immaculate for sure and so you had uh tdi technically doing it i would love to hear you kind of expand on the tdi crew for the listeners that are unfamiliar yeah, for sure. Well, shoot, the TDI crew is, uh, it's called Technically Doing It. Um, it's the black snowboard crew that I started not too long ago. And um, we, we've we been doing some some trips as a group and nothing crazy. And uh, the Halo Halo event was the first event that we kind of helped put on and, and be a part of and help sponsor. And it was sick to have, you know, a majority of the crew there. We were missing three of the crew members but a lot of the guys haven't been able to hang out with each other you know winter's pretty crazy so to have to come in 10 deep with the crew is pretty pretty amazing the vibes were high um it was the first time zed and and lj have hung out with the whole crew so it was super sick to have all them there and then guys like tropic thunder uh irie jefferson adros you know just having that whole crew of you know riders together was was super fun. I think it's dope because we run around the mountain and people kind of see this black blob going down the mountain, but it's, it's super sick because they say what's up and the energy's there and it's just a, a wave we're, we're making in snowboarding. Love to see love to see what you guys are doing. And then uh, did you chop up the edit for that? Yeah, yeah. So I chopped up the snowboy edit, which was super dope. That one did pretty dope and we got to really uh, 
showcase the people who came there. You know what I mean? There was a lot of really dope riders. You know, Miles Fallon was up there for a day doing his thing. And then we also dropped a TDI edit, which was more kind of behind the scenes of us just hanging out. Uh, low, low quality audio vibes, just kind of throw it on the TV. You can watch it in the background. But then, you know, there's a part of part of the video where, you know, there's some, some shredding going on for sure. What the what the fuck are you doing right now, dude? You doing some lawn work? Or I keep hearing you shuffling around with something. What's going on over there, Lou? Dude, there. Weirdly enough, every time I I like to have my phone calls outside. And what's today? Tuesday. Tuesday is lawn day, so there, there's everybody's doing something to their lawn. Sacktown's <laughs> lawn day. Okay, Tuesday's lawn day in Sacktown. I like that. Killer, dude. Yeah, it's not. Well, what's I know you're always you always got big things on the horizon. What's going on with uh, Cuban Lou this winter? Shit, dude, yeah. Um, right now, shit, I got like three weeks until I leave to Europe. I'm going to go to Austria with Joey Oakson. He's going to hit the airbag for a bit. Then we're going to go to to Honesty France for the High Five Fest with DB. Uh, just kind of hang out, do some pop-up there, and say what's up to some civilians and whatnot, and just kind of have fun. Then on the 1st of October, I'm going to – we'll be in South Bay for Stomping Grounds with Charles – and I'll be there until like the end of the maybe like the 21st of October. So we'll be there for like a good three weeks, you know, film some people chucking their body around, which is going to be sick. Uh, what's after that? I get like a break. Got my wife coming out to Europe. We're going to go to Sweden and see her grandma and stuff and, and kind of do some some Euro jumping around before I go to Kit Steinhorn for another part of the, the U.S. camp. And then after that, we're going to go to the Monster uh, the monster Street event and watch Zeb kind of go crazy. And we're going to do a t- TDI week with some of our Euro homies. So like David Gite, Yannick Kondo, who writes for Nitro, and Kevin Ignacio. We're going to meet up with them and do like a TDI week uh, like on the Glacier. And then hopefully I'll make it home by Thanksgiving. Killer, dude. Damn. Damn. And now you got the job filming U.S. team, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So if it, they go to the Olympics, do you get, like, a ring or anything? How does that work? Hey, look, I'm going to be honest. I've told them like this. It, I'm putting it in the contract. I better get all the polo gear. I better get all the shit they get. I, I better be able to walk out when they walking out or I ain't going. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that shit's dope. That's amazing. Well, uh, we were just talking about a couple topics. We, were, we already kind of breezed through them, but I'd love to get your t- take. Um, you know, a lot of our, our listeners submitted questions. And, and one of the questions was um, about the current price of lift tickets being ridiculous. And the, the, the main question, I guess, that we just went over was kind of like, how, how, do you, how do we make snowboarding more accessible? You know, that was the topic we were just on. I'd love to hear if you have a take on that. I think that, like, my take just, it just depends on, like, the industry. You know what I mean? Like, like basketball shoes are a hundred. There's some basketball shoes that are 180 bucks and there's some basketball shoes that are a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? So it depends, depends on the industry and like how much money the industry actually wants. Like, yeah, it's super exporting expensive to like have gear and shit like that, but does it need to be that fucking expensive to go up on a mountain? Maybe not. That's kind of like just my vibe. It just depends on like, you know, the the who's run who's who's in who's in the inside like i go to boreal a lot and boreal has 25 dollars fridays sometimes you know like that's a that's a great thing for people who don't snowboard all the time and want to snowboard once to see what it's like and spend that 25 bucks and spend like 50 bucks on some rental gear like that's a good 
way to gain a customer, you know, you know, give them a discount. That's shit. You, I walk into a store and you give me a discount. I'm for sure coming back. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's mm-hmm. a good point too about the basketball shoes. I was thinking about like hockey, dude. You want to play baseball? You want to play hockey? You want to do, like hockey's fucking so expensive to get all the gear and join the league and play all pay all the fees. Like, it seems like really if you want to get into most things aside from basically like skateboarding, it, it it's all. I mean, snowboard is ridiculous expensive, but it's all it's all kind of pricey. My yeah, son, fact, it, like, go ahead, go ahead, boss. No, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna confirm that. I mean, lacrosse, I have experienced years of that, and the amount we spent just to be in the club to play in school to travel as well far more than any of us spend on we buy our season passes right now i'm not getting all these things like my family we spend money on snowboarding like we spend money to support snowboarding like i do have perks i know people so i can access a a lot of things nowadays um better than other families maybe that aren't in this but it's also my industry where I worked and I've, and I've earned that. Right. And so that said, like, it's, uh, (laughs) it's cheap compared to lacrosse. I'll tell you that like a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. That's a good perspective shift. Yeah. I also think like the reality is it's a winter sport and you just need to, like, if you want to have fun, you kind of got to be wearing layers and have the right Mm -hmm. stuff. So it's going to be inherently expensive because like you need mittens and you need goggles and there's just like, a lot more things you need than other board shorts. Yeah, board shorts and yeah. like for a pair of skate shoes. Surfing's actually cheap. Go. You just show up, you get a surfboard, and you get trunks. Yeah, You're good surfboards to go. are pricey though. They're a few hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the ease is there, but to to lose a point, like it seems to come down to a major component. And if the access to the mountain was just a little cheaper then more people would do it. You know, that $200 lift ticket, does it really have to be $200? Like, I know prices are up, inflation's up, like things have changed, cost of doing business is more expensive, but that much more? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it comes back to just like, you know, just just being a nice person, you know what I mean? Like mm. charging someone a bunch of money for something they have no idea about is pretty unfair. It's taking advantage yeah so like just it, it's about making if, if we, we call ourselves a community it has to feel like a community a community is like you know my neighbors look out for me when i'm gone making sure nobody's breaking in my shit like they we got to be looking out for each other and like okay if you come out here every fucking day the last five years like yeah we should take care of you or if you know you're going to come here like yeah you're going to spend that 10, 10 to 15 days then like yeah okay then something should be of scale to that like number of days you're coming or, you know, just, just working with each other is important. And I know people like, you know, businesses have got to make their money and all. So it's like, let's be chill. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, I want to kind of change gears, Lou. We're going to, we're going to get into some of the new movies dropping, just kind of a quick preview. But uh, my question to you is, are you, I know you're filming us team stuff and making edits. Are you guys going to be making a movie this year? Um, I think, yeah, we definitely are going to be making a movie for sure. Like, so the, the U S team has, so what I'll be doing, like when I'm with the U S team, we have a half pipe crew called the economy. So that's like Joey Ogerson, Lucas Foster, Chase Josie, Valentino Gaselli. And since we'll be around each other a lot, um, 
we'll we'll film some half pipe stuff obviously but also like we'll go on some some half pipe trips like we're gonna we're gonna go to winter park and like hang out with kids and you know just kind of stoke up half pipe and because that's a super dope part of snowboarding but we'll we'll be filming a, a movie for that for sure dope uh what uh movies are you looking forward to this year you got anything you're excited to see yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm definitely stoked to see what Zeb and like Luke Winkleman and Rob have been doing with Bloom and the Burton crew. That looks like it's gonna be fucking dope. Um, I'm stoked to see like what what Beyond Metals does. I know they went to Japan last year, so like they always fucking do such a good job. And I feel like they they're fucking like their skits in the beginning of their movies are like the best thing ever. So I really feel like that shit is like timeless for sure. Nitro's got a, a two-year project they've been doing with Red Bull, so I'm stoked as hell to see that. It's like, uh, I think it's going to be like super community-based since Nitro is like, I feel like they're super like family-oriented snowboarding, you know what I mean? Like they, they, I feel like everyone rides for them and they're super dope vibes and shit. So that one's going to be fucking sick too. But uh, yeah, I think those those ones are, are should be blessing. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. Well, Lou, uh, we're kind of getting ready to wrap up here, but I just want to say thanks for calling in and giving us the time for a quick chat and, uh, and, uh, love what you guys did with your guys project. Halo, halo, and, uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. Big dog. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, thanks Lou. Lou. Appreciate you later. Cool. Um, yeah, Lou fucking rules. So, for other videos, I made a quick list with in about two minutes, so I'm sure I'm forgetting. But I know for me personally, I'm looking forward to uh, the Brown Project. Oh yeah, that one should be a hit. Two year, two year. Yep. I think yep. we got Blake Paul mm-hmm. in there. We got um, Jules, the significant other, Nick Baden. Woo! Yeah, Baden. And we Shut got jared, jared and parker and parker stacks kill zima might have a couple clips yeah. i got two clips dang bang <laughs> still got it logan he's spreading it out too. you're really riding on that fact yeah i just maybe we should just i just want to emphasize i got two clips um so that one should be incredible uh scott especially Blum. i think there's gonna be two really good there'll clips be two clips there. that'll be better than <laughs> the rest of all of the clips there'll be two significantly <laughs> better than the rest clips uh, and then we got, I'm excited for, uh, Judd worked on a project with Gimbal God and it's like a mixture of surfing and snowboarding, maybe mm-hmm. some skating, but you know, that's going to be a classic. They've been grinding. Uh, we got the man boys project that we're releasing on our channel, which those guys always bring it. I think it's like a certain anniversary for him. They've been doing it for a while now. So I think it's a bigger video for him. You got Jody and everybody in that. Um, and then one that's the sleeper six, eight, six project, Tommy Gesme. Mm. Riley, yep. Forrest. Yep. Wow. And uh, Dara. Dara. I don't and, think Mason's part of that. And mm. Colton chopped it. Yep. Colton Feldman. Yeah. So you know that's gonna be good. That's gonna be good. And there's one project that I think is probably gonna be kind of like dog shit. It's called. It's like something with Ride <laughs> Rated R. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Reed, you film for that? Durham, right? you got Durham a is. Uh, Durham's cutting it up. Always been a huge fan of his editing. I was actually just in New York last week. And saw some bits and pieces, and I think it's gonna be sweet. Mm-hmm. It's looking really good. We're doing a a bunch of premieres. We're doing the first one in Salt Lake, September twenty second, and then we're trying to stop in New York, Minnesota, Portland, California, and a couple stops in Europe, and end it 
uh, to line up with that DIYX uh, like street jam. How many stops on. are you going on? Hopefully all of them. I, I don't. I, all I right. Hope so. R.I.P. Your liver, bro. Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. Good let's luck uh, with that. Let's uh, make a little, you know, call out to everyone also, listening. Also, new Dustbox like, video. New Dustbox video. Yep, like, Dustbox. come out to the premieres. Yeah. Like, show up to the premieres and just go hard. Like, they're awesome. There's such good energy there. Um, it's a good way to get the first look at a video. It is can be a little bit blurry at times, but the crowds are right and the vibe is right. And if you want to fill snowboarding, go to premieres. They're turning back up. I think the kids represent them well right now. Um, I went to a few last year. I mean, I've always been to a few, but they feel nice. They feel like snowboarding. So Bright I hit it. Brian Bowley has a new video yep. with uh, Kennedy. Dorothy, Deck. are you okay? Uh, I think one? the Are You Okay, uh, Finn Westbury, and oh, it's it's okay. a, the Dorothy video is is theirs, and it's Bryden, Kennedy, Emma, Kuzik, oh, yeah. Yeah. and okay. some other guests. And that'll I think good. that'll be the first premiere in Salt Lake. It's like September eighteenth or seventeenth or something like so that. Salt Lake, go get it. Do yep. we know a name of that one yet? That one's Dorothy. Dorothy, and it's that is premiering Dorothy. alongside of uh, Finn Westbury and Gian Sutter's video. Uh, that I think is called Are You Okay? I okay, saw that it. stuff yesterday. Yeah. Killer. Are you uh, happy with your footage? How's your footy stack? Where is it? Is it some of it dust box, some of it ride, or is it all ride? It's all ride. Okay. I think we'll we're gonna give a couple scraps to dust box, but are you gonna give them the, the table scraps? <laughs> I, I, I hope it's still. Maybe they won't even want them, but uh, we'll see if they want them. Who's got the heat? I heard Latex was kind of on a tear. Yeah, I mean he can't be stopped. Yeah. I, every I I like. What everybody did though. Latex must get Ender. He's got to have Ender. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's unstoppable. Was the kid looking at first part for Reed or what? I have no idea. Really? Mm. I think she it would be weird if you. It. I think it would be weird if you knew exactly how the video was going to lay out. Like obviously Jed's got Ender, and he probably knows that. But it'd be weird if someone like confirmed that with him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I like the secret. I think it's dope. Yeah. yeah. You ever got Ender before? In a snowboarder mag movie. Oh yeah, uh, everybody, everybody, everybody. everybody. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's. Were you surprised or did you know? Uh, I was surprised. Did you trip out when it was? Ended? Yeah, I was hyped. Yeah. When I saw the parts like roll at the premiere rolling through and didn't see my name popping up, I was like, oh, we're getting to the end of the video. Were you stressing or did you? Were you more like, oh yeah, I got the ender, or was it like, oh, did I, don't I even know. make it? That was so the cut? long ago, <laughs> and I was probably like relatively faded, so I don't remember exactly <laughs> how I was feeling. What about you for shakedown, Jones? Did you know? Um, I did know, uh, just because, I mean, it was weeks, it was a week's weeks of debating between mm-hmm. people and me and JP had to kind of stay out of it cause it was between the two of us. So we sort of just let it go. And I just knew because of JP's, I just knew that JP knew he didn't get it. And I, I, you could feel that. Mm-hmm. So Man, uh, I got one ender in my life, and it was uh, one of Meyer's movies. It was Mayday, and I remember being at the premiere. I was asking, I had a good year. The Boston song. The, yeah, exactly. And fucking, we were at the premiere, and it was like all the songs went, and uh, I everybody came and like gave, gave over, came over, gave me a hug, like because they all knew, and I didn't. Like, yeah. Right when my part came on, and then, dude, I was fucking hysterical, dude. I was, mm. I couldn't stop crying because I, I never thought I'd get an ender, dude. I yeah. was like, this is like my life goal. So that was, that's a goal. 
It was cool stuff. And it's so Congrats. dope how those that like that actually means nothing in in, <laughs> yeah. in life. Yeah. But like for someone like us, like yeah. it's like the world to us. Totally, yeah. But it does really mean cool. something. I mean, it means means what it means to you, right? Like for how sure, how that pull off and how how you landed you that. You tell like, someone that th- has no idea what a snowboard video is like, "Oh yeah, I got Ender in a video grass movie." They just look at you and you're just speaking jargon. They don't even sure. know who, if you're speaking. Are you talking English. about the Uber ride? Uh, I think, oh, no, that was Spencer. Spencer and Skrill were talking about snowboarding, and they were getting, like, a ride to a bar or something like that, and uh, the Uber driver turns around, he's like, I know you guys are speaking English, but I could not understand a word you guys just said, because they're like... (laughs) Oh well, you know that Mick Twist might play, but uh, I know the switchback nose press, the one eighty is a little sog. I, I, I backlip the donkey dick. The <laughs> yeah. guy's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, that's rad. That's cool. We got our own little language jargon. Yeah. Yep, cool. Well, I think it's been a fun show. Uh, hope you listeners enjoyed it. Um, you know, a little bit of news coming at you. We have a big guest coming out next Wednesday. And you guys can expect this podcast every uh, the first Wednesday of every month is how we're going to run it. It's called Bombhole Group Chat. So, you know, if you if you want us to talk about something, shoot us a DM or Patreon members, fire us over a message, and we'll try to answer your guys' questions. And, um, you know, uh, if you're interested in picking up some run-through wall smelling salts or merch, head over to bombhole.com. Uh, and lastly, Jules, thank you for coming on the show. It's been fun. It has been fun. Thanks for having me. Reed, thank you. Thank you. Jeremy? Soldiers. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Reed. Thanks, Jules. Lastly, Thanks, soldiers. Soldiers. Our t- Silk D. Delight. We gotta g- should we give <laughs> Silk D the super air horn? Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Silk D, you rule. Silk roll. D the salt, too. That's my job. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you guys. We got an episode coming out next Wednesday. Over and out from the bomb hole. Fun show. Yo.